BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Norton, and you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Burial the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller let them have it because this is just an intro keeping the strong style six stars from the get-go boy yeah from tampa bay to the tokyo dome this is keeping it strong style with your host jeremy donovan and the young boy joshua smith and thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Lovin here with the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll preview the Best of Super Junior and World Tag League Finals, answer listener questions, and cover all latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or Keeping It Strong Style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWworld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level, and you can visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. Young boy, how you doing, man? Oh, man, I am doing fantastic. So glad to be back here on the air doing Keeping a Strong Style with you. Um, lots going on, man. You know, we got World Tag League, we got Super Juniors. I got this new Bud Light seltzer. But hold on, before you judge me on that and be like, this guy's drinking, you know, Bud Light, you know, not White Claw. I get it, but it's sour. Oh, okay. It's a new gimmick, and they haven't even released these yet. But we're the fucking test market, so uh, I'm gonna bust one of these bad boys open. There we go. 
and I'm going to try this for the first time live in the air. And if it's, listen, I, I bought the one time I've ever bought Bud Light uh, seltzers. I bought the summer pack because it had like tie dye and, and all that on the gimmick. And I was like, okay, these might be good. They're horrible. We threw them all away. They were disgusting. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm really uh, apprehensive about buying one of these, but I'm a sucker for sour stuff. Well, what's the so, flavor there? Huh? What, what flavor is that? This is blue raspberry. So, you know, can't, I mean, the can's blue. You can't go wrong. Mid. <laughs> Super mid. <laughs> it's okay. I was expecting something that, like was kind of sour. It sort of tastes like candy. Um, it's all right. Yeah. Speaking of alcohol, this coming weekend, the FOH draft, I'm hyped. You're hyped. We're getting it in. And also, this year I've decided to infuse my own vodka. Wow. That's going to be one crazy draft. <laughs> well, here's the thing, man. Um, you know, I, I mentioned on the show the other week, I'm trying to, you know, lose weight, but also I'm trying to go hard in the paint, you know? Right. And I was like, so what can I do? Last last year I had like vodka, a bunch of mixers, added calories. I don't need all that. I was like, I need something simple. It's going to be low calorie. That's going to do the job. And I was like, well, you know, what can I do to spruce up some vodka, you know? And then I started like looking at my drink because lately I've been infusing my water so I can get my water intake in, you know, mm. been putting all sorts of stuff in it. And I was like, I wonder if you could do that to alcohol. And then lo and behold, this, I'm not a genius. Like this is not something I thought of. It's like an age old tradition. People do it all the time. So I looked up a little uh, YouTube video, got a little gimmick, bada boom, bada bing. I got this vodka can or, you know, I got a mason jar full of vodka sitting with mixed berries, some lemon and some rosemary for the festive feel of the, you know, winter holiday. And, uh, you know, I'm gonna mix that with a little club soda, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit of sweetener and, uh, we're going to get it in. It's going to be really good. I hope, I don't know. I never had it. So, Hey, it sounds good of all the stuff mixed up in there, all those berries and stuff. It yeah, should be bro. good. Yeah, so I'm gonna be drinking fancy, and uh, Jeremy, for people who don't know what FOH is, tell them all about it. Yeah, so FOH that is a honored tradition here at the Social Suplex Podcast Network. It's our annual Christmas show that we do with Keeping It Strong Style, me and Josh, and then One Nation Radio, Rich Latta and James Boyd, and you know we we crack open some brewskis, you know we pull an old Stone Cold, one beer, two beer, <laughs> three beers. Four bears. We we crack open the, some drinks, uh, and then we you know we pretty much we shoot on the ear. You know we we draft things that need to get the f out of here, and we, we bury the you know we bury the stuff that needs to be buried. Bury all the frogs. Yeah, the frog the fr- the frogs are not safe on foh night. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's every, so every year this is what happens. Uh, I go on foh and um, I act belligerent. And I spend the next day ashamed of myself and I don't even want to listen to the actual, you know, broadcast of FOH because it's like, you know, it's kind of a haze. It's like a fever dream. I don't even, it, it, I listen to it. It doesn't even sound like it. I can't remember it, you know, but uh, no, nah, I'm being dramatic. I can remember it, but I'm always <laughs> ashamed of it. But then, you know, by the time a year passes, I feel okay about it. And I, I'm 
excited to do it all over again. So, you know, it's like a cycle of shame, uh, (laughs) but we really do. We act uh, pretty belligerently and uh, you know, it's totally different tone and style. If you enjoy this show and you want to hear us talk shit about WWE and NXT and maybe new Japan, maybe AEW, you know, no promotion, no promotion is safe this year. Nothing is safe, you know, fucking fds <laughs> <laughs> but we're gonna do a drunk and uh i don't know we're are we gonna charge for it or are we not charging this year did we decide I, I don't know there there's been talks of potentially putting foh behind a paywall this year it is one of our you know most widely requested uh podcast show that we do here in the network it always uh receives a ton of talent downloads every year uh last what three or four or five years it's you know been free of charge on the the network feed but hey you know we're trying to elevate I, things here. Listen, I think that we should charge. We don't charge for anything on this network. I think the one holiday drunk show of the year, you know, we should charge a modest small amount and, uh, you know, shoot our shot. And I don't know. I, I'm i on the message with Rich right now. He says he agrees. So, you know, I guess it's more of a technological issue than anything else. So yeah, so we'll we'll figure all that out this week, and stay tuned to all of our Twitter accounts and social media, and we will let you know how you can listen to this. You don't want to miss this show. Yeah, you don't want to miss it. Trust me. <laughs> Literally, always one of the highlights of the year. One of the best uh, shows that we do here on the network. So yeah, so stay tuned. We'll tell you how to tune into this year's FOH draft, and it'll be a fun one. Speaking of other exciting things going on, um, we got to plug the Keeping It Strong Style Year End Awards. This is the final week of voting. Um, you know, big shout out to our friends over at Voices of Wrestling, Rich Craig and Joe Lanza, the whole team over there, you know, allowing us to uh, post in the Discord and giving us a little uh, share on uh, Twitter, which is nice. And, uh, but, you know, that, like I said, there's a lot of you guys listening and we want to hear your voice. I'm not going to give you guys the whole spiel again. You know, but some of these categories are close. <laughs> Dude, it's real it's close. literally nail-biting how close some of these categories are. There's two that are, like, really, really, really close. I'm sure you know which ones they are, Jeremy. Um, and there's one where I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but there's one that's, like, I would call it, like, one of our more minor awards. But it's real, real, real close. But I'm like... I'm torn between the two people because very rarely am I ever like they both deserve it. And this year I'm like, fuck, I don't know who like I don't even know which of these two people should win, you know? Yeah, and that's why like your second and third place votes are so important. You might want to throw those votes away and kind of vote randomly or Christmas tree. It, those second listen, and third place votes will help determine a winner. Listen, uh, we might not be the podcast that breaks new japan news on the air or anything like that we might not be like your uh, inside source or anything like that but if you think that people from the company are not listening to this show and if you think that these awards are something that just go by the wayside and no one pays attention you are sorely mistaken this is one of those parameters and uh you know kind of like I don't know what the word is, but sort of etch marks for like what the Western fan base feels and thinks and, you know, people that are involved with booking decisions and, you know, hiring of talent and, you know, booking the shows and everything like that. They listen, they listen and they know what the fuck is up when it comes to keeping a strong style. And these year-end awards are, 
you know, at this point they're prestigious. Like, and I'm not even, uh, you know, just faking it till I make it or, you know, just putting you guys on, like it's pretty important. And so this is an opportunity for you as the new Japan audience to let your voice be heard so that Obari, Kadani, Rocky, everybody that's in power over there that hears this show or that knows about it can see what the fuck is up, you know? Yeah, I mean, obviously our our good friend Rocky Romero, uh, who we're in constant contact with, and <laughs> you, you never know he 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 might you know be listening in. He could look on the Twitter and we announce the the winners with our award graphics, and you never know that might really influence who's getting booked on strong. Absolutely, but uh, you know uh, the link for that is in the show notes or the. I don't know what the description, right? Yeah, you show description. Also, it's pinned on top of our Twitter at KI Strong Style. Go out and get your votes. Votes close on Saturday. We will announce some winners next week here on the show, and it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, we got to tweet that thing out like mad so more, more and more people, you know, see it visible. Um, but speaking of awards, this week the Tokyo Sports Pro Wrestling Awards 2021 dropped, and uh, you know some uh, controversial winners yeah so for the mvp we have the dragon shingo takagi the best bout go shigozaki versus kijimoto from february 12th the best tag team dangerous techers the most outstanding jake lee fighting spirit kanosuke Takeshita. for technique the great okan the women's mvp utami hayashista the rookie Yuki Arai, I'm not sure if I'm saying that Arai. right. Arai, and then the achievement uh, Rumi Kazama. Yeah, so uh, some interesting results here. Uh, you know, um, the whole deal with uh, the Tokyo Sports Pro Wrestling Awards—they're um, very much a political-based award, and it kind of gives you an idea. I don't know if I would say necessarily of what the general, you know, um, domestic audience feels, but more so like what the pundits and those who are kind of in power sort of feel about things. And it is very much a political based award. And that's not me. That's not like a sour grapes thing being like, oh, New Japan should won all these awards. No, no, no. It kind of is this way, especially in recent years where they try to award talented individuals who are deserving from different promotions and so there's quite a mix here there's even some individuals this year that i'm not even that familiar with like yuki arai rumi kazama i don't know what her achievement was or his i don't even know what gender that individual is (laughs) so um but i think the one thing that stands out here and a lot of people in the west are kind of boohooing is goshi ozaki versus kijimuto as the best bout award yeah, when I saw that, that was kind of a head scratching for me, and I get that. You know, Tokyo Sports Awards it's, a, it's about selling magazines and more kind of in. I know Noah's been having kind of like this resurgence and has been doing really well the last couple of years. But best about, I know I, I pull up the cage match. You know, it's at like seven point five eight. Uncle Dave threw a you know a generous three and a half at it. I'm like this. This is the best bout. When we look at all the stuff that uh, New Japan threw out this year, I'm not surprised whatsoever. And I think if you go through the history of the Tokyo Sports Pro Wrestling Awards, and uh, sometimes even like the Nippon Sports Wrestling Awards as well, um, 
this is right in line, especially in this kind of year, the year that we just had coming off COVID and everything. This is right in line with many of the best bouts that they've uh, awarded in the past. Honestly, it really is. Now, obviously, every once in a while, you've got your blow away match that nobody can deny the greatness of, you know, um, and that happens pretty often. But there is a large emphasis on the uh, I don't want to say I don't know, like the marketability or like the hype and importance factors. I kind of liken pr- uh, the Tokyo Sports Pro Wrestling Awards in a certain sense as like the pro equivalent to like PWI, you know, right. Nobody looks at the PWI match of the year and thinks to themselves like this was absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt the best match. You know, you would look at other publications for that sort of distinction. But um, usually something that has a lot of importance um, that especially if there's nothing else that kind of matches that level of importance, it's usually going to win. And Keiji Muto is a big star. And this was Goshi Ozaki was in the middle of his like – you know, legendary title reign and the whole thing with Muto going after, you know, being in his late age, trying to finally win the GHC title and, you know, win the Pearl Triple Crown. I'm not surprised whatsoever that this one, like not even a little bit. Yeah. And you also think too, as they get ready to head into, you know, Noah versus New Japan, definitely, I think either voters or kind of the people behind the magazine are probably wanting to kind of help promote that idea. So kind of throwing out a best bout, from Noah, and then you know that could add some fuel to the fire with the New Japan rivalry. Like for instance, when um, when uh, God, what's his name? Why do I forget names? When Jump or not Jumbo Saruda? What's the uh, uh, when Tenru? When Tenru had his uh, retirement match against Okada on the Tenru Project, like uh, um, produce show. It's a good match and it's very historical, and you know Okada carried. Tenru to as good of a match as he possibly could have had at that point but nobody would have told you that I mean it's probably right in line with this you know three three and a half something like that but that year it won the best bad award and there have been plenty of other examples of you know political based sort of things winning so you know I, I I think anyone that's upset about this probably is just upset for the wrong reasons and doesn't really understand what the Tokyo Sports Pro Wrestling Awards are, it would be like getting really, really pissed if like PWI picked something that wasn't the right. Real and, match and, of the year, which and, they do. Often. And also like wrestler, you know, the years were like Cena and whoever else and Roman, yep. all these people are number one. It's like clearly those guys are not the best wrestlers that year. <laughs> right. Uh, they're the top stars and the biggest wrestling promotion in the world, but you know, they're not. There's kayfabe and politics involved. Right. So that's the deal here. But, um, you know, Shingo Takagi winning the MVP, that's a big deal. Um, it really, really yeah, is. I he, mean, he hadn't won a Tokyo Sports Award since 2008 where he won the uh, best technique. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really impressive, especially just considering where Shingo's from and everything that kind of led up to his his run here. And him kind of being the face of New Japan in 2021, I mean, you know, we're in the middle of our awards and I, I wonder if him winning the MVP award for Tokyo sports, you know, does anything to kind of like sway voters or that sort of thing. Um, Dangerous Techers winning a uh, tag team of the year, same thing, you know, that's really awesome. Uh, 
not a lot of Gaijins win any sort of Tokyo Sports, sports Award. So Zack Sabre winning that as one half of that tandem, that's a big deal. It's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that the popularity of that team has really skyrocketed over the last couple of years. Yeah. And then uh, the Technique Award, that's one I'm never really even quite sure what it even completely like means or <laughs> encompasses. But Okan won the Technique Award, which I guess I could see that in a certain sense, you know. Uh he does have a lot of very different kinds of attacks and, you know, he's a skilled guy, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I think this year he really kind of showed off a lot of what he could do, especially in the G1 where he was having those main events against guys like Abushi and Chingo and he was mixing it up. And he, when he wrestled Zack Sabre, just kind of seeing his, you know, the the technical style he can do, then incorporating the striking style with the match of Abushi and just uh, kind of more of the new Japan main event style with Chingo. So it's really kind of showing that he kind of has a, multiple of techniques so i'm not again i'm not sure what exactly their criteria is but i thought okan yeah. had a really good year yep so the that is the uh tokyo sports awards this year um you know interesting stuff um we actually forgot for like the past two weeks to award our november wrestler of the month and match of the month so a little bit of housekeeping we had to kind of go back and uh kind of decide the winners there so without further ado uh the november wrestler of the month is none other than l Desperado um, really had a stellar month. Um, not only did he regain the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title, but he also has been a stalwart in the best Super Junior, especially in that first uh, half of the tournament during the month of November. He had that classic 30-minute um, time limit draw with Hiroko Takahashi, um, which in my opinion to this point has been the match of both tournaments. And um, up to now, he's had more in-ring time during Super Juniors than I, I can't recall if it was everyone that's ever competed in the tournament or he's like top two, top three. But um, the amount of time he's been in the ring, it, it's on the same level as that year when Will Ospreay, you know, was wrestling everybody. So a lot of main events, a lot of big performances from Desperado um, and kind of just like one of the standout guys for that month you know there's some other candidates but there's nobody that had done well in the tournament plus kind of went in with a big achievement the way he did you know in the same month so that's kind of why he was most deserving this month yeah that's be a great month for him and i don't think a lot of people were expecting him to regain the title going into the tournament so kind of a no big upset win and then having some great performances um in november in the tournament so then our match of the month for november is going to be from the main event of Power Struggle for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, the Dragon Chingo Takagi, he defended against Zack Sabre Jr. Big rematch from the G1 where Sabre tapped out Shingo. So Shingo not only defending the title, but also looking for revenge on Sabre. And this was just an awesome, awesome matchup, just as good as the G1. A lot of people argue which one was better. Uh, both great. They're both candidates on our match of the year list, and these guys have amazing chemistry. Just a story they told in that match and how they built off of that, uh, the arm bar submission from the first match was just absolutely excellent. Yeah, I mean, November's not always uh, a month where you have the big matches, but, uh, you know, we did have quite a few great matches, especially on that Power Struggle show, and then uh, the San Jose Battle in the Valley show had some really great matches, and then you have to consider World Tag League and Super Juniors, and uh, Shingo, Zack Sabre Jr. from Power Struggle just stood head and shoulders above everything else, so very, very deserving match of the month, and uh, if you haven't seen it, what are you waiting for? <laughs> 
So let's talk about Dynamite real quick. Our aforementioned, our good friend, Rocky Romero. Our good friend, Rocky. Asuka Romero. Yes, he was on Dynamite this past week, teaming up with Chaos Stalemate Chucky T. Uh, They suffered a terrible defeat to the Young Bucks. Kind of felt like I was watching Wrestle Kingdom with uh, Young Bucks and Rocky in the ring uh, in a matchup. Yeah, Um, yeah, Yeah, every... Every single time um, the Young Bucks compete against any combination of these Chaos uh, slash Best Friends slash Rapongi Vice guys, uh, it's always great. Uh, I believe we even saw a uh, six-man tag involving the Elite versus these two guys in Tremperetta, like one of those ROH TV tapings a couple oh, of December's Oh, yeah, ago. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really great. Uh, they've had a few really incredible matches in ROH as well as uh, New Japan, but I don't think they've ever done Young Bucks against Rocky and Chucky e. T specifically. So it was kind of a fresh take on an old match that they've kind of done a lot, and it did not disappoint at all. Yeah, this was an awesome matchup, a great kind of a slow build and leading to that closing stretch where they were just doing some crazy spots. Everybody was getting their stuff in. Uh, but Young Bucks uh, prevailed here on this night, but it led to... Trent Beretta making his return, getting a Rapungi Vice reunion, uh, making the save for his friends here, Chucky e. T and Rocky Romero in uh, Wheeler, Utah. So it seems like we're getting um, Elite versus Chaos, and I'm wondering, I'm not sure if Okada has left the States yet, but I'm wondering if Okada is going to get somehow mixed up with this. We know he's good friends with the Bucks, and maybe we get Okada, Adam Cole, Okada, multi-man somehow, who knows? Well, if it was me booking, and I'm just going to do a little bit of uh, some fantasy booking here, I would have Okada get involved. You know, he comes in for some big angle, makes a big save, clears house, blah, blah, blah. Rainmaker, Matt, Rainmaker to Nick, you know, fuck you to Michael Nakazawa, whoever, you know? Yeah, Cutler. Cutler, yeah. Get all those goons out of there. I wouldn't do anything with him and Adam Cole. I would just have him kind of clear out the geeks. And then when it's all said and done, he, like, looks at the camera and he, like, does something to let you know, like, he wants fucking Kenny Omega. Mm, Right? Yeah. And then he goes home. Mm. And it's like, oh, my God, that's so exciting. And then it's like, oh, my God, Kenny's not here, but he just fucking called him out. And then when they're ready to do that match – They've got something on tape to point to it, and there there doesn't need to be a title involved or anything like that, but, like, Omega versus Okada 5 is on the table, which, like, bro, my heart gets, like, beating you. I'm getting excited, bro, just thinking (laughs) about the possibility, especially that being in the States and the chances that we could actually go see that live. Oh, yeah, at uh, the fucking Coliseum in St. Pete. Hell yeah. I think you do a little bit bigger a building for uh, for that match. Oh, what like Straw Center? Hell yeah! <laughs> uh, going out to the uh, the OCC Roadhouse. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're gonna fucking pack out Ruth Eckert Hall. Fuck yeah! <laughs> We're gonna go down to the uh, the soccer field where the roadies. Oh yeah, the rowdies. rowdies. <laughs> What's um. Spectrum, Spectrum, uh, baseball field. Yeah, over, over off US nineteen. Now we're talking, but um, yeah, that's what I would do, and I feel like I'm not even far off the mark from what they probably will end up doing. Because I mean, if you really think about it for half a second, there's only two ways you can go about this. You could do 
I guess three, if you're really thinking like, oh, they could set up an Okada versus Adam Cole match, which is fine if that's what you want to do. But they're probably going to do one of two things. They're probably either going to have some sort of multi-man match involving guys from the Elite and then guys from Chaos and involve Okada, which is fine if that's what you want to do. And you could probably still get to where I'm going anyways. But I wouldn't do all that. I would have him come in as a surprise. You know? A lot of people don't really even completely... You know, I'm sure people know who he is, but it's not like... uh, You know, it's not like... Okada is a big star, but, like, I just... I wouldn't blow his his first match in AEW being, like, a multi-man tag the way they did with, like, you know, Ishii and some other guys. I would have him come in, wreck house, and then, like tease omega and then you're like oh fuck like it's really 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 on and now like people want to see that match you know i mean you can still do an angle afterwards and get there but like i feel like ultimately what is this all leading to with them talking about okada so much and talking about chaos so much if not for it and also for the foil for them to be the guys from the elite if it's not leading to okada omega i don't i don't see what the point of it is yeah, I'm very curious to see where this is all going. Uh, there was a beat down on Rampage, the Elite. They laid out all of the best friends, Trent, Chucky, Rocky, and Wheeler, Utah. So we'll see what the follow-up this week is on Dynamite. And, yeah, hopefully it does lead to Omega Okada 5. Nice. Well, uh, let's talk about the biggest and best ongoing show of the week. And, no, I'm not talking about World Tag League. And no, I'm not talking about Best of the Super Juniors. I'm talking about motherfucking New, New Japan, Japan Strong. Strong baby. Let's go, baby. Strong, baby. Detonation Night 2, Saturday, December 11th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on NJPW World and Germany. I put out a tweet this week. Got a lot of love. This is hands down, bar none, the absolute best episode of NJPW Strong they've ever put out, period. Dude, I, I had a good feeling you were going to love this. I had already watched it when we talked on Saturday or Sunday, whenever we talked, and I was like, I didn't say anything. I didn't want to hype it up. I just wanted you to, like, <laughs> watch it and just experience it for yourself. And you you got the exact emotions I thought you would have for this show. This was absolutely just an awesome hour of professional wrestling. Bro, fuck you. You're acting like after four years of podcasting with me, you, you know me or some shit. You don't know me. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to react to a show. <laughs> um, I did see, I saw a um, a thing on Reddit where someone was like, United Empire versus LA Dojo is like one of the best matches of the year, you know? And I was like, come on, bro. Come on, bro. Cut the, that's cap, okay? You know, like, stop the cap. It's no flex zone. <laughs> And then I watched – so I already had, like, that kind of feeling going into it. Like, man, some people out there are really hyping this shit up, and I don't, I don't get it. And I'm watching it, and I'm watching it. And I'm like, holy fuck, they're going, like, really fast right out the gate. And, like, the whole show was like that. Like, every single match was – and, you know, I'm kind of reticent to say this because they were all sub-15-minute matches. But I literally thought everything on the show was around four stars or better. Yeah, and that just tells you how great it is with, it, with those matches. A lot of them were just like between, you know, 13. All of them were a little bit over 13 minutes. Yeah, so I guess we could just start top of the uh, card 
We had Jonathan Gresham defeating Gabriel Kidd, 13 minutes, 47 seconds. You know, um, on on the previous tour, Gabriel Kidd had come out. Him and Jonathan Gresham had words. They traded insults and barbs, and they set up this match for this show. And uh, prior to the show airing, Katsuri Shibata had made the announcement that Gabriel Kidd was now um, graduated from the LA Dojo. So uh, on the air, they kind of called it that he's now officially on quote unquote excursion. I thought him coming, you know, I already thought he would have been on excursion, so I'm a little confused. Yeah. But he came out with new gear, you know, white new and music. Green, new music, white and green um, boots, you yeah, know, the, yeah. uh, the Splex, the Suplex logo on there. Yeah, because he's an official suplex sponsored athlete, which yeah. is pretty awesome. Because he fits right in line with what they, you know, the kinds of guys that they like to uh, to sponsor. And you know, he just he was a new man. And dude, him and Jonathan Gresham ruled. Like, and this is just another example of New Japan Strong having guys go out there that are believable, realistic, that care about the small things, that can tell a story, that are super hyper physical. And I thought this match was just awesome. And I mean, when you think about like what's on this card, you know, Tomohiro Ishii versus Brody King's at the top of the card. And um, you know that that's going to be a super hard hitting affair. It just has to be considered who's in it. Then you look at Gresham McKinnon, like this was equally awesome, but a completely different tone and style really reminded me. I know that people always throw like the British world sports style around. And I, sometimes I disagree being someone that's watched a lot of that style, but this reminded me a lot of the British world sport catches, catches, catch, Ken style, like just all the technical grappling and little hand gestures. And uh, these guys were calling it on the fly, a lot of it. And it was super high level. Like I could tell Gresham was impressed with Gabriel Kidd quite a bit uh, just working with him. Um, Cause a lot, like he was really enjoying himself out there. Um, but these guys, and we've seen Gabriel Kidd like really tear it up with like Zack Saber Jr. in the past, so we kind of know what he's capable of. But this was even beyond that, and um, they went out there and told an awesome story of respect and disrespect, and yeah. Know. So start start off friendly, and then you know there was an accidental eye poke, and then Gresham, you know, quote unquote, couldn't let go of that one hold. It was longer than five yeah. seconds, and Gabriel Kidd got pissed after that, slapped that man, and then took off from there yeah and they've been um telling this story where jonathan gresham doesn't really have like a finish and i guess it's not even a story it's just kind of the the way he wrestles the way he wrestles yeah but um especially in new japan strong he hasn't really established any kind of finisher and i don't think he's going to because that's kind of his his you know mo but he's been catching guys with a um head scissors on the ground and create and then grabbing the free leg of the other guy and turning the head scissors into a pinning uh, combination. We saw him do that uh, against uh, Alex Coughlin recently. And I thought it was pretty like slick, but I didn't realize that they were kind of set, setting that up as like one of his power pins, you know, one of those believable spots. Yeah. And he went for it time and time and time again in this match. And then finally he like synced in. I was like, I think he just fucking won. And it was like one, two, three. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, they paid each other respect at the end of it. And I think, you know, in defeat, Gabriel Kidd definitely earned the respect of Jonathan Gresham and the, and the crowd there. And, you know, 
this coming off of the back of that uh, very emotional promo that he'd cut on the previous tour in uh, Philadelphia, man, I just, I was applauding at the end. I was like, this is really, really, really good. Yeah, that's a great opener, great technical matchup. Uh, Gresham did an interview recently with uh, Fightful, I believe, and he talked about, you know, the whole not having a dedicated finisher and, you know, fans know the sequence, you know, shine, heat, come back, and they know they're kind of reacting to spots and not the actual story of the match. And so he wants to be able to have moves that kind of come out of nowhere. You don't know when the match is going to end. You're not kind of waiting for that finisher, that sequence. Um, so we kind of saw that here in the match he's been having him strong. And then also a uh, very interesting, like post-match comments. Um, he was saying, you know, how come uh, new Japan has just been kind of throwing him the young lions, you know, they threw him Coglin and now kid, he, he wants Osprey. He wants Jay white. He wants Rocky Romero. He wants some of the bigger stars of uh, new Japan strong, but you know, he applauded Gabriel kid and said he's a true pure wrestler and hopes that one day he will say that he is the foundation which was the, the name of the group in uh, ROH. Yeah, and speaking of ROH, final battle was this past weekend, and they did have in the main event Jonathan Gresham face off with a longtime um, stalwart of Ring of Honor, Jay Lethal. And uh, I didn't get to see that match, but I heard it was actually really great. And Jonathan Gresham won the vacant Ring of Honor world title or the original quote unquote Ring of Honor world title. So I don't know if that's going to be something, you know, it still uh, remains to be seen what the future of Ring of Honor holds. But for the time being, Jonathan Gresham has that belt. And, you know, there is a partnership in place with uh, New Japan and Ring of Honor. We saw that uh, in play during that show. You know, Rocky Romero was involved with that show. Many of the guys from Strong were featured on that show because there has been cross promotion. And you got to wonder with ring of honor going on a hiatus and when they do return kind of being a reimagined product, if many of those guys, since they're going to be considered like free agents at that point, they're no longer, you know, employed. If they're going to suddenly become true in, you know, out and out new Japan guys, like Jonathan Gresham is right on the precipice of like us being able to say like, yeah, he's, he's a new Japan guy, which I think that's going to change for a lot of guys like Brody King and Chris Dickinson and, himself and you know pj who knows pj black flip gordon who knows yeah i could definitely see gresham being a guy that gets locked in he doesn't seem like he has interest in going to like AEW right away if he does at all and he's starting that the terminus project that's going to be launching his uh, own little promotion show that they're doing um so in in atlanta so he's doing that he's doing more strong so i think definitely little his own little no it's big (laughs) Huge. (laughs) Do you remember that? Uh, Oh, uh, it's from Tampa Bay Pro with Buck Q and uh, Hoist Adams. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, we're going to have ourselves a little match. No, you don't call it a little match. It's going to be a big money match. (laughs) All these people are going to pay to see it. (laughs) Oh, man. Little promotion. What do you mean, little promotion? (laughs) Oh, man. But uh, awesome, awesome opener, awesome match. Uh, I don't, I, I mean, I can't throw enough roses at it. And then, you know, the next match, United Empire, they defeated the team of Clark Connors, Carl Fredericks, and Ren Rita, 13 minutes, 24 seconds. And um, before we even talk about the match, I just got to say, you know, United Empire have been great since the inception when they first came in, right? Right. And, um, 
especially on the, those early tours, like the new beginning, one of the thing that one of the things that we noticed and that we really pointed out was that when it came to multi-man tag matches, they were so creative and they weren't just like doing your wash, rinse, and repeat tag match on road two shows where it was like every night the same thing just kind of reworked a little bit and you know just tuned a little different they were going out there and having completely different matches every single night with the same or similar opponents on the road two shows which was like very strange so they had already kind of showcased to us how adept they could be when it came to six man eight man tags that sort of thing and we hadn't really seen this unit of Cobb, TJP, and Will Ospreay work together. It's been a long time since we've seen Cobb and Will Ospreay work together at all since, you know, Will, uh, you know, had to vacate the title and went back home to the UK. And, you know, so this has kind of been a long time coming. And I think part of me had kind of forgot how awesome they all were when it came to that style. And then you throw a TJP in there and say what you will about the guy's character, or, you know, you know, his political stances. He's an incredible wrestler. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of that uh, that famous six-man tag from the WWN Super Show a few years WrestleMania weekend where it's like him, Gargano, Ibushi, and all those guys like just tore it up. And then you kind of couple that on the opposite side. You got Connors, Fredericks, Narita. These are all guys that we like a lot that have shown us quite a few things. But um, I would say aside from Narita – Connors and Fredericks, who are guys I'm big fans of, they just haven't necessarily on the big stage showed that they had that next gear, in my opinion, that they were able to kind of like wrestle a higher level match beyond just their base technical skills, which were fabulous, by the way. But, uh, you know, there was just something kind of missing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this kind of changed that perception for me entirely. Because holy shit, like Connors and Fredericks were doing stuff I've never seen them do. The entire tone, pace, style of this match was like balls to the wall. It reminded me of why we were so high on Connors and Fredericks, you know, in the beginning when they first kind of came over from the LA Dojo. Narita turned the violence and the aggressiveness up to 11. There's times when I look at him and I forget that he's Narita and I think he is Shibata. Like it's <laughs> it's yeah. so insane. And then you couple that with like Jeff Cobb's like metamorphosis and TJP's new heel cocky. I mean, there's just at first I was thinking of this match as just being a six man tag on strong the way I would have a year ago, you know, it's in the right. middle of the card and it's a couple big stars against some some job guys that they're just going to like give a little shine to, but they're going to beat the fuck out of them, and it's going to be a three-star nothing. This was not a three-star nothing. This match fucked everything in the World Tag League by a wide margin. There was nothing in World Tag League that touches this match, and it's sub-15 minutes. Yeah, man, this tag match was freaking awesome, and they've done an excellent job just building up this rivalry between the LA Dojo and United Empire since Osprey made his uh, surprise return at Resurgence and claiming to be the real world champion. They've done a, a lot of great promos, a lot of great matches and angles, really heating this uh, feud up. And it kind of all kind of blew up here. And like you mentioned, it, it was balls to the wall. Like there was no like, let's test uh, test the strength, let's do some lockups, let's feel each other out. Like it was like, go, go, go. You know, we, we hate each other. We're, we're going to throw lay it in and, and kind of high pace. And we want to, you know, put violence on each other and just you know Cobb TJP and Osprey 
you could have swore <laughs> you could have swore that these three guys were teaming for decades the way right. they they flowed and all their their triple team maneuvers I'm, I'm recalling the the one spot where they I think it was I think it might have been Connors that they threw in the corner and then like Osprey ran with a boot TJP ran in with a boot and they threw him into to uh, Cobb and Cobb did the spin cycle like stuff like that was just so smooth so fluid and these guys are just firing on all cylinders and they are a perfect unit and I'm excited to see more of these guys hopefully you know we can get TJP over to Japan because I think him working six-man tags with Osprey and Cobb is just incredible and I'm sure if you you, know, you throw in Ocon and Hanare they have so many guys that you can do multiple variants of I think that would all be killer uh, six-man tags and as he mentioned, Fredericks and uh, Connors, they looked really good. Connors with that, that one uh, spare through the ropes to the outside onto the apron was cool. That uh, was so awesome. Uh, Fredericks, he had a big uh, tope con Hilo, and he was fired up, and he was laying his strikes in. Yeah, that was like Kenny Omega-esque. And you might be like, oh, that's a little much. No, it was Kenny Omega-esque. Like, literally, he hit it just the same way Kenny does, which I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I never, I don't know. I'm not saying he's never done it, but I've, I can't remember a time where I recall ever seeing Carl Fredericks do that move. Can you remember that? He's, he's done tope sometimes, but this is probably one of the best ones that he's, he's ever hit. Man, well, he picked the perfect time to do it because, holy fuck. <laughs> Like, Nareed, all three guys are just – I I mean, we know that they're special. We've been saying that they're special and that they're guys that they need to build around and how great of a job Shibata has done in the L.A. Dojo. And, I mean, you know, it's we've never knocked them, but there have been a few big spots, some big singles matches where I just kind of felt like there seemed to be a stagnation, you know, and I don't want to, like, bury them or anything because they still were having good, good matches, but it didn't feel like, oh, man, these are – the next future stars necessarily like these are good guys but i don't know if they're going to be able to take that next step but this match was like oh shit now i remember like clark connors is like the real fucking deal you know carl fredericks is like got you know future champion written all over him like and it just took one performance like this for me to kind of remember that you know and i'm sure it does have a lot to do with the dance partners that they had but, I mean, you can't take anything away from the performance these guys, all three of them put in. I mean, all six guys, just moi, you know. If I had a vote today for, you know, tag match of the year, this would be it. <laughs> <laughs> um, easily. And um, the other thing, too, is like, yes, it was fast-paced. Yes, it was violent. Yes, it was fun and action-filled. But there was great storytelling. There was great psychology. The leg work uh, that kind of came into play towards the tail end when it came to Carl Fredericks and everything like that and how that played a factor into the finish of the match. And, you know, United Empire won, I guess, quote, unquote, clean, but there was still, like, little asterisks there. So, yeah, Connor, kind of yeah, Connor's leg went out towards it, and he was going to hit that spear on TJP, but the leg went out, and then, uh, you know, post-match, they continued to work on the leg there and the kind of tease, like, a little injury angle. Yeah, and I mean, that's just good storytelling. Like, you know, it wasn't that these guys were necessarily, like, necessarily, like, bested. It's just something unfortunate happened. You know, the leg went out, like, oh, God, you know, and, like, the the early leg work that United Empire put in paid off in spades. And, you know, now 
LA Dojo needs to go back to the drawing board and figure out what they can do to avoid having something like that happen to them again the next time they got face up with United Empire. Like, when this whole United Empire, LA Dojo thing happened, to me, it just felt like a a little, like, side quest for Osprey because we all know he's going to the Dome. We all know that the IWGB title is, like, his main domain. And I was like, you know, he's just a bunch of jabrones. He's just going to beat up and, and move on. But now suddenly I'm like, oh, shit, United Empire versus LA Dojo is, like, an incredible feud. It, it, and just one of many incredible feuds in the entire, uh, you know, trajectory of New Japan Strong. You know, the New Japan of USA products has had many, many really good feuds. Yeah, I definitely think this will be a uh, candidate for uh, Feud of the Year for next year's awards because it kind of started at towards the the end or towards the cutoff of our voting but yeah this has been a few that's been built out very well with the the multiple tag matches some of the singles matches um you know they have the the big osprey and renderita match at battle in the valley so we saw some of that kind of hatred spill over from that battle in the valley match here in this match with Osprey and Narita, and you know like you mentioned even though they they lost it, you still kind of want to see these guys pick themselves up, come back, and really beat the United Empire. And I think it's going to be like a big goal for them when one of those, when, the, when that team can finally kind of knock off the United Empire and when one of those guys can beat one of them in a singles match. Yeah, this whole thing was awesome. Um, for me, on a, on a stacked show, this was my match of the night. Mm. Um, and I'm close to like, I might be a little hy- hyperbolic when I say this, but like I'm not far off from four and a half, man. Yeah, like, I, th- I think I'm, I'm like not. four and a quarter. The only reason I would go four and a quarter is just because of the time, but I'm not far. Like, it was that good, you know? And if you put this in front of a uh, – this was a fine crowd, but if you put it in front of, like, a really, really hot crowd, like, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, then the uh, uh, the main event, uh, Tomohiro Ishii, the new never open weight champion in a non-title match defeating Big Bad Brody King. Yeah, and just another example of an ROH guy who's kind of planted his, uh, you know, flag in the sand here in New Japan Strong. And now, now that Ring of Honor no longer has contracted talent, I mean, one has to assume that Brody King probably is going to at some point find a home here in New Japan. Um, it's kind of seemed that way going even back to the, uh, uh, what was the, the team that he had with uh, Marty Skrull? Villain oh, Enterprises? Yeah, Villain Enterprises, yeah. Yeah, I mean, going back to that Villain Enterprises tour where he was teaming with Marty Skrull and, you know, facing off with Okada, it even seemed then that the company was pretty high on Birdie King. So, uh, but this main event here with him and Ishii just was awesome. Um, I'm not going to say it's better than the Ishii Moose match. I understand a lot of people like that match more for a variety of reasons, probably. But this style of match is what I was wanting out of the Moose and Ishii match. And they could have easily done a very similar Ishii. He's undersized. He can't pick up the big man. You know, he's going to keep going for the, uh, you know, the um, brain buster. And Brody King's going to outmuscle him and use his size and just, you know, beat this underdog Ishii up. And instead, they, they told the Ishii story I like where it's like, no, fuck you. I'm going <laughs> to smash. Let me smash, bro. And these guys just hit each other over. I mean, it's so awesome. hard, dude. Brody was killing Ishii with the chops to the chest, and 
just dominating Ishii throughout the match. And then Ishii, of course, in his normal style, firing back up, coming at Brody. And like I mentioned, just kept fighting and fighting and fighting until he could finally get Brody up for the Brain Buster. Yeah, and he got him up and, like, that's a big dude to hit with a Brain Buster. Yeah, when he got him up, oh. I was like, oh, my God, he did it. And then, and then the show ended, and it was so satisfying. I was like, oh, my God, you know, like, this whole – this entire show popped me, you know. Four matches back to back to back. I, I can't recommend them enough. And I was like, dude, if they're going to start having, like, a lot of shows – like, and, you know, not to say that the other shows haven't been good. They have been good. Uh, ever since they went to the live format, they've been very good shows. But, you know, what's nice – about the format changes we used to have these road to detonation shows and they were kind of like filler episodes and then we get to the actual episodes and like it just felt like more road to detonation with like maybe one or two matches at the top of the card that were like kind of good you know maybe like the tom waller match or whatever right and and that would be it one thing that's nice about this show is Say what you will about them um, taping everything in advance and some of the uh, drawbacks of that. There definitely are some, especially with continuity and everything. But um, because they're doing full production shows, right, for people in that city, whether it be Seattle or Dallas or Tampa or Philly or whatever, they're usually doing like eight to nine, ten matches for the whole night. And then that's the show. And so for the people that are watching the show live, it's not like they're seeing – how do I describe this? I've been to like an NXT TV taping, okay? And every every single like uh, session feels like you've watched subpar TV taping. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, because the NXT is a, it's a definitely hot, more highly produced and it's more like, all right, we're going commercial or we're – you know, we're taking a break for the next week's episode kind of thing. It's very produced, right. very kind of dog and pony show. Where this, it's like you're just going almost like an indie wrestling show where right. you're, you're getting your 8 to 10 match card, but they're just going to break it up into three or four weeks of TV. Right. And, you know, and that's a great way of putting it, you know. So, like, I recall going to, like, an NXT taping show, and it was like, this is dating myself a little bit. It was years ago, but it was like, Jinder Mahal comes out and he attacks Seth Rollins while Seth Rollins cutting a promo the one week. The next week, you know, I don't know. Seth Rollins is like out in the crowd and then Jinder Mahal's facing him off. And it's like they're building to a match that's two weeks away. And then at the end of the taping, that's the main event. And it took, you know, and you're watching this, you're like, I'm kind of taken out of it because I know what they're doing and it's all happening in front of me. But it's like, you know, it, clearly these are not four weeks of shows. It's all happening on one night, and it kind of exposes what's going on, you know. This is not that. These are people that are going to what you could produce and put out as one show that stands on its own for the most part. I'm not saying that some people might not work once or twice in the night. That might happen, but for the most part, it's the same level of like if you, like when they were doing like the new beginning in, in USA shows, you know. Right, yeah. Same, same thing. But like you said – they're just breaking up, breaking them up over a two to four week period. In most cases, it seems like three, um, and then just putting those out there, and it feels fresh because it is fresh because these are the equivalent to like a B minus C plus level show in Japan, maybe better in some some respects. 
it's kind of nice. Yeah, I think it does a great job of just keeping the talent fresh. Like you don't, you're not going to see Will Osprey every week. You're not going to see Brody King every week. You're always seeing like there's a bunch of feuds. Like this week, there was really no mention of the the big feud for next week. Uh, Tom Waller and Fred Rosser, like those guys weren't on the show this week. And so there's always this rotation of uh, the fresh talent. It makes you kind of long and like, oh yeah, I would I would have loved to see him Waller this week. Oh, I get to see him next week. Um, so it kind of paces everything out nicely. They did mention it at the end of the show, but I see, I, I agree with you. And um, that was the thing, like New Japan Strong in its earlier iteration when it was like a studio show with without an audience, it was a fine show. It was very good. And for those that watched it, they enjoyed it. We, we enjoyed it. And you'd hear people say like, hey, this is the best one hour of pure wrestling product that's out there. And they're probably right, you know? But when you kind of compare it to like, you know dynamite or rampage or whatever other like good products are out there you know maybe it kind of pales in comparison to some degree you know it's but these shows right here now there are some production issues and what we talked about last week but i don't know man like this stands right up there this stands right up there with anything that's on dynamite and anything that's on rampage and actually i'll tell you the truth this show in particular is better than the majority of the episodes of those shows yeah, just across the board period. Yeah. Especially you're zeroing in on the bell to bell action. Like new Japan strong is absolutely killing it. Yeah. And this isn't, that's not cap. That's not like AEW. Hey, I like AEW. We watch it. Um, I'm just giving those of you who aren't watching it an idea of what to expect. This is no longer a show where it's like this is the best one hour of pure wrestling i mean you you're gonna really enjoy it it's like holy fuck this is good <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you that are sitting here that love new japan but maybe you listen and you know what let's be honest there are people that have told me i don't really follow new japan like i used to i listen to the show to keep me informed to keep me updated and i enjoy what you guys bring to the table but i only tune in for the big shows if you're one of those people you need to fucking watch strong yeah, then, okay. then there are some people who watch everything in in Japan, but they're like, uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, not gonna watch strong. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling strong, or I haven't checked it out yet. And if you're one of those, you need to be watching strong. Yeah, because it's not a studio show in front of no audience, and also it's not something that's self-contained in its own universe and bubble with just California guys anymore. Dude, Gresham's on here. United Empire's on here. Osprey. Jeff Cobb, Tomohiro, <laughs> Brody King. This is stacked, dude. And next week's episode is going to be stacked. And like they had Minoru Suzuki a few weeks ago, and they had, they had Archer. They had Archer and they Moxley, had Kingston, Moxley and Kingston. And like this is awesome. Like this is the stuff of like Fire Pro. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we got we got Kingston at the next set of tapings. Uh, Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels. Like there's a lot of interesting names. Uh, Jonah, the work he's been doing so far, dude. Yeah, he rules. Like, this is awesome. And, um, you know, say what you will about, like, what's going on in Japan. And, you know, obviously the Dome is coming up. Dome season is very exciting. But this World Tag League and the Super Juniors, in my opinion, super lackluster. I would probably say both, in my opinion, the worst two tournaments that I can recall in maybe a decade for both of those two tournaments, honestly. And that's just me being transparent. This this is where it's at right now. Like th- these New Japan Strong shows, they are awesome. They're awesome. Yeah, 
And so uh, next week, we'll finally get the big, strong, open-weight title match. The champ, Filthy Tom Lawler. He will defend against Mr. No Days Off, Fred Rosser. This has been building for a long time now. We saw the, the, the heated angle a few weeks ago where Filthy Tom beat uh, Fred Rosser down, shaved his head, shaved his, you know, his trademark afro. He's been wearing the, the afro around his neck with the scissors, and this has been a very heated personal feud. Uh, these guys faced off earlier in Strong before, and Lawler got the win there. So uh, Ross is looking for getting a win back. He's looking for revenge for being humiliated and, and looking to win uh, You know his first ever New Japan title. Is there anything else to announce for that show, or is that pretty much it? Uh, I had not, at the time of putting the rundown together, I did not see the <laughs> any other matches announced. I don't know if they've uh, announced them since we've started recording. Let me check the website here and see if they've uh, announced anything. Uh, okay, I have it here. So it looks like it's going to be Kevin Knight in the DKC versus Broken Finley and Jordan Clearwater. Uh, second match of the night, there will be six-man tag team action as Team Filthy, Team of J.R. Kratos, and Royce Isaacs along with the new Black Tiger, will be taking on the team of Finn Juice and Rocky Romero. So that story will continue. And then the main event, Tom Waller versus Fred Rosser, which is like right now my lead candidate for feud of the year 2022. And um, something I'm really, really looking forward to. Uh, and I I don't know, a year ago, if you asked me if I would have cared about Tom Waller, I mean, they did wrestle on strong and I did not care about it. Yeah. <laughs> and and now, and now I care a lot about it. So, <laughs> and I have, I have not seen any taping results or any spoilers, but I'm, I'm calling a title change here. I, I think Fred Ross is going to become the strong open weight champion. That's very, very bold. I am predicting Tom Waller to retain. And I also do not know, uh, anything, but, uh, you know, that's just my gut feeling is I don't know if I built up Fred Ross or if, if I'm New Japan. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I love Filthy Tom, but I don't know. I, I just feel the, the energy that uh, Ross has been putting out and you know, him revealing that he signed with New Japan and there, there, were, there were plans to bring him to Japan. And I don't know. I just feel like and he's been working really hard and done a lot better. And so I don't know I, I could see them doing a, t- a title switch here. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. One last thing before we take this next question. I will say this, too. If uh, you're listening to this and you live in one of the areas where they're doing these strong tapings, I know in March they're coming here to Tampa, you know, God willing, as long as there's no uh, Omicron variant <laughs> crap that happens. But uh, you should want to go to those tapings because these tapings, every single one of them have been fires ever since September. And uh, this this makes me very excited for whatever the prospect of them coming to Tampa even will be, you know. Right. But uh, we got a question here. Jeremy, you want to take it away? Yep. So a question here from Reddit user Piero Papi. He says, is the current production quality of Strong affecting your affecting your enjoyment of the show at all? Despite the live crowds and bigger name talent being on the show, I actually find myself missing the pandemic era, era of Strong. The current camera work is so off-putting to me, and the small crowds allow you to hear some of the snarkier individuals in the crowd. I know there's been some speculation of getting strong onto an actual TV network. Do you think big changes to the production quality would be necessary to do this? And then he has an edit. He said, since posting this, I've watched the latest episode, and this tour does seem to be an improvement, but the elevator hard cam is still awful, in my opinion. Okay. Um, 
Well, we did talk about this uh, pretty extensively last week, but I'll agree. I do echo those sentiments. Those are complaints that I've had. Um, I do think they're learning as they go. Um, I don't think that this is a company. I think this company is too big to be learning as they go, though. And um, if they're going to do this on any level, they can't do it with anything less than excellence. You know what I mean? Um, Hire the right camera crew. Hire the right lighting crew. There are indies that do this better than them. You know what I mean? Like beyond, <laughs> right. beyond wrestling is better than this. Freaking, you know, RevPro and like Progress have better production value than this in most cases. So uh, I do think they need to get it together. But it has improved as time has gone on. And I think that's my one really detracting thought for the most part when it comes to the current era of Strong. But I will take this any day over the COVID era strong. Definitely. I mean, I think the worst production had, was the Texas tapings just because, A, they didn't sell all the seats, and so they had to do the dark lighting, and then the, the camera the camera quality and camera work was just not great at all. But I think since then, everything else has been better, I thought. Uh, the Philly tapings looked fine. I think this uh, set of tapings here uh, has been fine. Uh, Detonation tour in California has been fine. So well, there's there is a problem with the lighting, but there's even a pro- there is a problem with sound. But like you mentioned, the the fact that the hard cam, the angle of the hard cams, I don't know if it's because they're small buildings, like it's too tight, you know. And the quality of the camera is way different than the ones that they're using as the roaming cameras at ringside. Um, they need to all be uniform. You know, right. of a similar quality, and it's it is a huge d- distraction, honestly. Yeah. Well, that wraps up our talk on New Japan Strong. Let's talk about uh, Best Super Junior and World Tag League. Is it best? <laughs> is it the best of the Super Juniors? <laughs> the uh, the okay of the Super Juniors. <laughs> the adequate of the Super Juniors. <laughs> Um, the moderate, the moderate, <laughs> it's me. The uh, three-star savior of Super Juniors. Yes, the Cody special. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Cody Rhodes of Super Juniors. The Cody Rhodes Junior Invitational Tournament 2021. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's talk about this tournament. So, this past week, we had uh, the last two nights of both tournaments. So let's uh, talk about Super Juniors first, and we'll kind of run down the, the standings. We're not going to give, you know, the full blow-by-blow blow in all these matches. I think we're just going to kind of focus in on kind of what these guys did the last couple nights and where we're going to be landing here for the finals on Wednesday. So at the top of the block with 15 points, we have the ticking time bomb, Hiromu Takahashi. Uh, Seven wins, three loss, one draw. He defeated Doki on night 10, and he defeated Robbie Eagles on night 11. So I think Hiromu was always one of the favorites to make it to the finals, and so here he is. He's fighting to get his third um, uh, Super Juniors win in a row, and... Yeah, I mean, he's one of the top performers, and he's set for the finals. Yeah, um, two big performances from Hiromu. Um, night 10, the match with Doki. Um, you predicted last week that Doki would play spoiler. I wasn't so sure. I think I ended up riding with you. I'm not sure. But ultimately, Doki was – he came up short. 
This is the third singles match in a row that he has been unable to defeat Hiromu Takahashi. Had he beaten Hiromu, it would have put Hiromu in a very precarious situation going into the final night. But uh, again, tremendous performance from both guys. One of the best matches at the tournament. And you put out a tweet this week saying, one day Doki will beat Hiromu, will all rejoice. Yes, I can see. You know, he's going to keep scratching and clawing in one of these super juniors. That man's just going to hit his uh, suplex de la luna and uh, pin Hiromu. Yeah, so Hiromu defeated Doki once again in an excellent match, put himself in a great position, and then in the main event of night 11, he faced off with Robbie Eagles, and it was kind of a do-or-die situation for both men based on the way that everything shook out for the rest of the tournament. If Eagles won, he would have made the finals. If Hiromu won, he made the finals. I took a look at the cage match ratings. Most people rated this as the match of the night. I liked it. I don't know if I'm as high as everybody else was on it, but I thought it was a a very good final, um, you know, block match for Super Juniors. And um, Hiromu defeated Robbie Eagles, kind of got that win back from having lost to him in uh, a title match during one of those. uh, Russell Grand Slam. uh, Was it MetLife Dome? It was at one of the Cebu Dome, MetLife Dome. I don't know. It was one of them. And uh, 27 minutes, 7 seconds, Hiromu Takahashi finally defeated Robbie Eagles in singles action, uh, securing his spot in the finals. So two big performances back-to-back for him. Yeah, those are two really great matches. Those are matches you'd probably check out from this uh, past week here. And we had a question from Les Commission 7252. Who do you guys see as the face of the junior division after Hiromu? Or do you guys believe that there isn't a face of the junior division and that everyone is equal to another in the division? That's an interesting question. Um, you know, my feeling has always been that there have, has pretty much been a face of the junior division throughout history, you know, in New Japan. And, I mean, you can kind of span the space of time and kind of take a look. I mean, like Fujinami and then Tiger Mask and then Dynamite Kid and Cobra, you know, up until like Liger and, you know, Kanemoto. So there's been quite, I mean, like there's been a lot of times where different guys have sort of been the guy at junior and it's not always necessarily homegrown guys. It's not always necessarily domestic talent. There've been quite a few Gaijin wrestlers and foreigners who have sort of been the top guy in the junior division. But right now, as far as like who's next, I I couldn't really tell you. I mean, for the time being, it seems like it's Hiromu and I don't see anyone else in the division. Not that I would say couldn't be the face, but I don't feel that they're pushing anybody to really take over, or it doesn't feel necessarily like anyone is hot on his heels and ready to kind of step into that role. I mean, in a certain respect, I guess Desperado was kind of the one B to Haruma's one A in the division after the way they kind of set him up last year. But, uh, you know, and I don't know, it doesn't feel the way it felt when, you know, Ricochet was there and, Will Ospreay was there and Kushida and that sort of, you know, Dragon Lee and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's usually kind of pretty obvious the, the one or two guys that they're trying to elevate and kind of push to take over the, the, the mantle. And we've kind of seen that over the years where guys elevate the heavyweight and it's usually somebody that's kind of ready to kind of take that mantle, take their spot in the division. And I, I really just don't see that here with 
uh, the division right now. It's all centered around Hiromu. I think he's the biggest star. He's the biggest straw for that division. And so I think that's probably part of the hesitation. If there is any to move him up to heavyweight, it's probably that's part of an issue there. And it, like like you said, there's a ton of guys here that could, but I just don't know if they can. But I think probably the one guy that they're maybe trying to heat up is the guy we're talking about next is Yo, who uh, came in with 14.7 and 4. And he's going to be meeting Hiromu in the tournament finals. So it's kind of a, a big deal and uh, a big spotlight for Yo. Uh, night 10, he defeated El Phantasmo. And then on night 11, he defeated Sho and getting the win back there and uh, stopping Sho from going to the finals and Yo advancing to the finals. So this could be the platform to elevate Yo. Possibly. Um, first things first, let's throw flowers at me. Virtual throwing of the flowers. <laughs> yes, because I believe I was one of the only people that I know that was out there. Now, granted, I, I will say this. I did not see Yo winning this tournament in the first week of our coverage. The first week of our coverage, we were like, what the fuck are they doing? The second week of the coverage, I was very clear and I said Yo was going to be in the finals. That he would, Or if not in the finals, he would make it to being in contention on the final night against Yo and that that would be a pivotal match. But that it seemed to me like he probably was going to the finals, one or the other. And uh, I didn't I didn't hear anyone else saying that. I didn't hear Sean Ross Sapp saying that. I didn't hear Dave Meltzer saying that. I didn't hear Voices of Wrestling saying that. J-Cast, where you at? I didn't hear them saying shit. <laughs> you know, I didn't hear Mike Sempervivi saying this shit. It's just the young boy, Joshua Smith. I stand alone on the pinnacle on when it comes to predicting Yo's candidacy. <laughs> I walked alone inside this pit of danger. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I called it, man. I, I saw what they were doing. I was like, oh, this tournament's about fucking yo. We didn't see it. We missed it. And here it is. And I don't know. Part of it, I don't think it's that I'm super smart. I think it's that a lot of people didn't give a fuck about this tournament. <laughs> and so no one's paying attention um, and I don't think people really care about Yo either because it's it's kind I don't of either. It, it's kind of the basic story they tell where somebody starts off super cold and then they come back really hot. We've seen that play out that trope play out in tournaments all the time in New Japan, but Yo just had no like really heat or any interest coming in the tournament. So when that was happening, it's kind of like oh maybe there's kind of they see him kind of lower mid card kind of guy. Uh, and he started firing back up. It's like, oh, okay, I guess they're kind of pushing him. So, I don't know, it was, it was kind of a weird for right. Yo, yeah. Right, when he was getting beat like a drum in the first few matches, you're like, I believe it. He's <laughs> a loser. I see it. No, I su- no surprise here. No surprise. Then when he started winning, like, oh, well, I mean, he okay, that makes sense. It's juniors. He's got to, you know, it's best super juniors. He's got to get a couple wins. But uh, as soon as they did that, I was like, oh, no, he's going all the way. It's very clear he's going all the way. Like, that's the deal. Um, and it, it's a good story. And they've done some cool character work. But my question to you is, where's this classic Yo match? Bro, that that was going to be my thing. Like, I think it's cool. We're, we're trying to get new people over. We're trying to get a, a new finals matchup. We're trying some new things here. Trying to elevate people in the division. But when ha- outside of a Rapungi 3K match, when has Yo delivered? We've seen ever, ever, yeah. ever. Not just in this tournament, 
ever. Yeah, we've seen Yo in plenty of Super Juniors now. He's had plenty of singles matches. Uh, I, I've just never seen this guy have this, you know, blowout great uh, junior match yet. And so I'm worried. Obviously, he's facing Hiromu, who's incredible, and that that they should be, have, be able to have a great match on a big stage like this. But can Yo do that with anybody else? Can, is Yo the guy that can carry the division if Hiromu's not there? And I, based off what we've seen, I don't, I don't think he's the guy. Okay, Jeremy, I've gone to cage match. Okay. Um, and I have looked up all of the all of Yo's matches for all of time, right? Mm-hmm. And I've eliminated all the tag matches that have high ratings. Which um, here's the crazy thing: there's probably not a ton of those either, dude. There's there's like <laughs> not very there's not a lot. And if they're not facing but, uh, the Young Bucks or who else, I mean, it's like. Can you even think okay, I can now that I'm looking at it, there is one match that stands out as being very I wouldn't call it great, but being very good. And he's had two very good matches with the same guy in the Super Juniors in back to back subsequent years, and it's been a few years since this happened. Can you guess who that opponent was? Uh Osprey. Yup. <laughs> yup. He's got his highest rated singles match of all time is 8.0. It's from the 2019 Best of the Super Juniors. And, like, let's be clear. This was Yo's greatest match of his career. For Will Ospreay, it was just one of the many great matches he had in that year's Super Juniors. Just one of many. It wasn't even, like, in his top five of that that tournament, much less that year, much less his career. (laughs) It probably isn't even in the top 150 matches of Ospreay's entire career. Okay, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, The other match was from the 2018 Best of the Super Juniors, um, and that one's got a 7.56, so even that's like a steep drop-off. The best singles match that – the two top singles matches that he has for this year is a match from June against El Desperado, which I don't remember loving, and then the match with Yo or with Sho from this year's Super Juniors – that one that's his highest rate match this year it's got a 7.36 like it's good it's nothing to write home about uh, it's not like yo had a bad tournament yo had a good tournament but when you're going into the finals of the best of the super juniors tournament eddie guerrero chris benoit el samurai do you know what i'm saying right will osprey prince devitt Jushin Thunder, Liger, Koji Kanemoto. Yo? (laughs) (laughs) Question mark? (laughs) Yo? Bro, listen. I know that there's... I know that there are those people who feel vindicated because they picked Yo over show years ago. But, like, come on, dude. Yo does not have the output or the track record that show has. He just doesn't. Um, And I'm baffled. Like, I, I am baffled. Not because I don't like the guy, not because I don't think he's got some star qualities. He's very good, and he's he, he is very good. But like, I don't know, man. Do you think that this match with him and Hiromu is going to be some kind of blow away Super Junior final? Like, I mean, a, based a, based off previous work, no. But I feel like they they, they need to deliver. They're the main event of the show. Um, I, I think they Hiromu needs to do everything he can. He's he needs to call up Kenny and get the book. And they need they need to go out here and do what they can to have an absolute banger. 
like last year when it was Despy, like Despy felt so hot in that tournament, even though I didn't think he was necessarily having the, the highest standard of performances. People were really behind that man. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that there might be some people who are living and dying with shit with yo, you know, his, his story arc and the story arc has been interesting, but the actual matches, why is he still wacky roll up guy? Yeah. Five star clutch. Even with the overdrive or whatever the fuck it's called. Direct, direct drive. The, the maximum overdrive. <laughs> he, uh... <laughs> now, there was one interesting thing on night 10. He's fighting El Phantasmo, and Phantasmo hit him with the uh, sudden impact or whatever it's called um, to the stomach. The same maneuver that made show tap out. Mm. I don't know if a lot of people caught that. He hit him with it, and it's the same move that show tapped out to, and yo ate it like a champ and then still was able to you know persevere and win so uh that's something i noticed that was kind of like leading into the show match and then um the match with yo and show in the finals was fine it was good but uh i thought it was a smidge better than the match they'd had previously and yo pretty much was able to exploit the fact that he knew all of show's tricks yeah, he had them all. he had chaos ready. We had a uh, Goto and uh, Yoshihashi making the run in save here. I don't even remember that man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yo yo picked up that win and solidified his spot. Uh, you know, he knocked out El Fantasmo, knocks out Show, picks up the tiebreaker there, and gets his. Uh, you know, well, not tiebreaker, but, you know, picks up the win and makes his way to the finals, which is uh, interesting. I'm glad that they're doing something new, but um, I don't know. It doesn't feel like Yo is the man. And I don't feel like even if he has one great match with Hiromu, he's going to be the man. Like, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, anybody could have a great match with Hiromu, but then what's going to happen at Russell Cage? Like, if he wins, like, him and Despy, like, I'm, I'm not really trying to see that. I don't think Yo's that far off from Master Watto. <laughs> oh man! It, as a tag wrestler, he's way beyond him. But uh, you look at you look at his track record, his track record, and his history. You know, I mean, he's he's like you know. I think Master Watto's have, having about as good of matches as he is. I don't get it. Yeah, and he's just just not a lot of charisma there. There's no like no appeal. There's nothing that really kind of draws you to Yo, and that's like I I don't know, dude. I mean, even just looking at this year's field, I'll take Despy over him. I'll take Robbie Eagles over him. I'll take ELP over him. I'll take Taiji Shimori over him. I'll take Show even with the purple House of Torture shit over him. I'll take Taguchi over him. <laughs> And I'll take Kanemaru and Doki over him. I think that he's right in line with Wato and Bushi, and he should be in that 8 to 10 point. Which is where uh, he normally is. And here's the thing. I'm not saying that because I hate the guy or I don't like his gimmick or his story or I don't think they he deserves a try. I'm saying this purely out of it's New Japan Pro Wrestling, it's the junior division, and it's supposed to feature the best junior wrestling and he's never showed me the best junior wrestling. Like, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I'm crazy for acting like Yo's not like this blow away singles guy. He's not. And he's, ha- <laughs> and, and he's had a lot. And I mean, he's been in a lot of super juniors with a lot of really good wrestlers, a lot of really great legends. 
and he's never blown it out. He's never had a classic in his whole career. Not one, not a single solitary classic. Not, not even come close. Wrestling match. <laughs> never, 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 never. It's never happened. And so you can give me any other argument about his, you know, I don't even know what, what he does, but like about anything about him, about fan connection, you know, the books, whatever, the interviews, his trajectory, his story, all that. That's fine. That's all well and good. Where's this guy's classic matches? He has none. Period. I'm done. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting seeing how what happens with that matchup and what happens going forward. Had a question here from Reddit user Hawaiian Punch BV. If Gato does pull the trigger in making Yo the best Super Junior winner, are they holding off on the big El Sparado versus Hiromu match for next year's Wrestle Kingdom? Maybe, or or maybe some other time. I mean, it's hard to say. Uh, you know, uh, it's not very often that a big quote unquote junior match headlines a show unless it's the best of the Super Juniors final. So, I mean, I don't know. They could do it anytime, you know. Yeah, I mean, especially with uh, two nights of Wrestle Kingdom, I, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow we do get a Hiromu Despirado match this year at Wrestle at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. But but it wouldn't surprise me if it happened at Dominion or some other dome show or some other special show that you know we don't even know what next year's calendar schedule really looks like. So, I mean, I don't I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, one more question. I don't know if I put it on here if I. Piece of it somewhere else, but we had a question from our user Raising Falcon. He said, The biggest OMG moment I've had in this entire Best Super Juniors is Goto and Yoshihashi coming out to help Yo. Finally, <laughs> Yo had the common sense of having backup ready. This must put Yo, IQ, and NJPW standards up there with Albert Einstein and Isaac Newton. The Chaos Stable doesn't even feel like a stable, it's more akin to a loose confederacy. Yet, Yo managed to rally the troops. Is Yo a more fitting leader for Chaos than Okada? In the famous words of George W. Bush, fool me once, shame, shame on you. (laughs) Fool me twice, fool me, you can't get fooled again. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that's the deal. That's what happened with Yo. Uh, So, yeah. That's it. Yeah. So let's move on to the next guy. Ellis Parado, the junior champ, came in with 13 points, six wins, four losses, one draw. On night 10, he defeated Taguchi. Night 11, he lost to El Fantasmo. Kind of surprising here that also the junior champ doesn't always win these tournaments, but with a single block nature, he had to eat a lot of losses here. Four losses. Yeah, there's there's different talking points depending on what kind of, um, how you want to spin it, you know? Because like I mentioned, um, I don't, and I wish I had the, the specific ring time. I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe El Desperado had more ring time in this uh, year's Super Juniors tournament than any other competitor ever in history, um, which puts him in rarefied air of like, you know, he's up there with like Naito's singles run in the G1 and, you know, Ospreys and you know, Okada's and guys like that, you know, but at the same time, he's having good matches. He had one great match with Hiromu, but aside from that one great match, he's having a lot of really good matches, but nothing that's like blowing the world away. 
And then at the same time, it's like he's getting top billing. So it's like, okay, well, they're treating him like a big star because he's main eventing a lot. But on the flip side of that, he ate a lot of losses. Like, I cannot recall the last time a junior heavyweight champion ate this many losses in a tournament. So it's like you could use some of those stats and, and, and facts to state how he's being underutilized or, you know, um, whatever, you know, and then you could use some of them to be like, they made him, he's a star, he's the man. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. And I think that's always been the truth about him for the past year since his big moment is that he is a star, but he's a much smaller star in comparison to say Hiromu Takahashi still. Um, even if there was more focus, even if he got more opportunity, he still ate more losses. He's still not having, again, like I mentioned before, I mentioned those names, Ricochet, Will Ospreay, Shingo Takagi, you know, Kushida. He's not having the kind of performances that this, uh, division had during the last really great heyday of the junior division. You know, it's not like Kyle Riley's here. Right. Uh, And for me personally, that's what you have to do if you're going to be the top of the juniors. Right. And he hasn't done that. I mean, also he does, he has, he had some great matches, but he's not really hit that high consistent level. Uh, Also with these four losses here, also that could be setting up something for, the Double Knights, obviously one that he'll face the tournament winner, but they could end up doing a multi-man match with people who have beaten him. They could do another singles match with somebody who beat him. And also it probably sets things up for post-Dome season as the, they have the, the Golden Years Tour. It's going to be kicking off the year. You'll be doing some junior stuff there, so maybe they're kind of laying some seeds for the beginning of the year also. So a, a lot of different ways it can go with those losses. Now, um, Keep in mind, it's four losses, one draw. So essentially five non-wins out of, you know, 11 matches, basically. And there's some – the thing is they did a 12-person block. And when you do a 12-person block and you need the math to work out right and you need to keep people at parity, but you need to make it so that the champion does win, this is kind of what also has to happen. So there's also that argument that like, it's just a sheer fact of the utility of the situation he was in. Like there's the, there is the argument that you could say, it doesn't matter who the champion would have been. This is how they would have got treated, whether it was Hiromu or not, you know? Yeah. Because the math has to work out and that's what's kind of required. So maybe they try their best to hide, disguise the fact that he was eating these losses and still treat him like a star. I don't know. It's hard to say. But um, one thing I noticed, the El Fantasma match seemed, in my opinion, to be exactly what we predicted and mentioned last week, uh, a major setup match for a future title shot from ELP uh, against El Desperado. That's assuming he does come out of the Dome season as champion, or maybe even this could happen during... Uh, the dome, but you know, ELP lost the night prior, knocking him out of the tournament. But then he turned around and got the big sneaky win with the sudden death over ELP or over El Desperado and um, kind of put himself right in line for contention again. Yeah, well, I think that's all on Desperado for right now. Let's move on to uh, Robbie Eagles, who's sitting at 12 points, six wins, and five losses. Night 10, he defeated 
Kanamaru, and then on night 11, he lost to Hiromu, like we mentioned. Uh, former junior champ, uh, thought this is probably one of his highest points that he's gotten in a Super Juniors. Um, some really good performances here from Robbie. Robbie Eagles was really great in this tournament. He had a lot of really great matches. He almost won the, the you know, bid to be a finalist. Had some good main events. I don't have much more to say. I think Robbie is a, a, a mainstay fixture in the division for now. Yeah. Then El Fantasma, also with 12 points, 6 wins and 5 losses. So on night 10, like we mentioned, he lost to Yo there, which took him out of contention from getting into the finals. And then, like we mentioned, on night 11, he defeated the champ, El Desperado, and potentially gets a future title shot for that win. One of uh, the best performers in this year's tournament, while he didn't necessarily have, like, blow-away matches, he himself was having outstanding performances very funny very entertaining was able to shift from dastardly heel to you know chicken shit heel to you know comedy act you know whatever the you know high flyer whatever was really required of him but uh one aspect of his story that was kind of uh laid out a few weeks ago was the big promo he cut on uh jay white refer you know um regarding the bull club and Wrestle Kingdom, and then on the final night here in the match against El Desperado, um, he kind of pulled out the thing that we've been seeing where he starts using former Bullet Club's signature maneuvers, and then he pulled out a Blade Runner, yeah, which so, we've never seen him do before. Right, so he did the normal combo, hit the Styles Clash, got the near fall, and then he hits the V-Trigger, then normally, after the V-Trigger, you, you would go for a one-wing angel, but instead, he went. He did. he hit the Blade Runner, so it's kind of like, oh, more shots fired at Jay White. Yeah, pew pew. <laughs> so that's one thing to kind of keep your eyes on when it comes to ELP. Um, I would be surprised if he ends up being junior champion before long. Um, I could even see him walking out of the dome as the junior champion. It could happen. Yeah. Uh, next guy, his tag team partner and fellow Bullet Club member, Taichi Shimori. He also had 12 points, six, fin- six wins, five losses. Night 10, he defeated Sho, uh, 13 minutes, 30 seconds. And then on the final night, night 11, he was bested by Rizuki Taguchi, 12 minutes, 45 seconds. I thought Taiji has done very well in this tournament. You know, he's a guy, like I mentioned in the past, who kind of gets a reputation for being kind of lazy or kind of resting on his laurels. But I thought he worked really hard in this tournament and had some really good performances here. Um, that that defeat over uh, show kind of really hurt show's chances of getting to the finals. That was kind of a big win there for them because they were both, uh, you know, tied. You got tied up there with show with that win, and then uh, Deguchi beating him on night eleven. That kind of threw Taiji's chances off of getting into the finals or placing higher uh, in the block. But overall, I feel like Taiji was almost kind of similar with ELP, where there were some matches where he kind of did the comedy with whoever he was wrestling, and then more serious and more cheating. And also there was like the ELP Taiji match. It was kind of funny. So I feel like Taiji has been very versatile and has been putting out some really good performances here. Yeah. A lot of the things I said about Robbie Eagles, I feel about Taiji Shimori in this tournament. I feel like they're two sides of the same coin, you know, uh, Robbie being the face side and Taiji Shimori being the heel side. I felt like their work was very consistent of a high standard. Um, you notice all these guys that we're mentioning here took like five losses. So in order for, 
all these guys to kind of be at parity. It required all of them to kind of eat quite a few losses because it's a single block tournament. So they're, they're you know, that's just kind of the nature of the beast, unfortunately. But yeah, Taiji Shimori had a really good tournament. Yeah. So next up, show the murder machine, also with twelve points, six and five. Like I mentioned, on night ten, he lost to the Bone Soldier Taiji Shimori, and then on night eleven, he lost to Yo. I mean, um, I don't know what else there is to say about Show's tournament that we haven't already said. You know, it, it, this is a far cry ever since the heel turn from um, what we've been used to when it comes to Show and his output, because this is a guy who was a member of Rapongi 3K who's had plenty of classics in these tournaments. But, uh, you know, with the heel change comes a character change and comes a, a shift in a focus and there have been some interesting story developments when it comes to his healdom and his partner, former partnership with Yo, and just barely came up short uh, at the tail end of the tournament. But uh, you know, was probably one of the two or three biggest focuses for the story of the tournament. Yeah, and we'll, like like we mentioned earlier, that kind of trope of one guy being cold, one guy being hot. He was the guy that was you know winning at the very beginning of the tournament, undefeated. It seemed like they were setting up for him to win, and then he kind of slowly would eat some losses, and eventually just eating more losses, and it ended up to where he was at with uh, six and five, and uh, losing there to Taiji Ishimori. Really, kind of, uh, or yeah, losing to yeah, two losses back to back there. He lost to Ishimori, and then losing to Yo on the last block night. Uh, now, him out. now, the one thing I will say, because um, next we're going to talk about Taguchi, and that's going to be a steep drop off in terms of uh, placement and slotting of these junior stars. So these first seven guys we talked about, they, most of them were pretty much close to parity. They're letting us know at this point that these are the, you know, top two upper top guys. So say what you will about Shonyo and the tournament and everything like that. They have kind of established to us at this point that Shonyo are on the same level as Ishimori, ELP, Eagles, and Hiromu and Desperado where like, it didn't feel like there were that many kind of upper guys leading into this tournament, but now with the dissolution of Rapongi 3K and them kind of getting reincorporated and reimagined as characters, um, the division does feel a little fresher to a certain degree, or at least as much as it can with a couple fresh coats of paint on those two guys. Yeah, and, you know, honestly don't love the whole... House of Torture and the Wrench and the Dick Togo and the Yujiro and Evil and all that stuff, but uh, it is what it is. I mean, there's nothing we could really do about that now. I would have loved to see, you know, pre uh, House of Torture show kind of killing it like he would normally do, but we, we got what we got here and we had all the shenanigans in uh, the Yo match and even in the Ishimori match and. Um, you know, you, you would think the Yo vs. Show matches would be a little bit more of a, a bigger deal. And I guess it was, I guess, technically a big deal here in this tournament with it being kind of a, one of the deciding matches of who was going to get into the finals. And Yo was able to get his revenge on Show. But again, it wasn't like this kind of blowaway match or a, a big feud ender or anything. So. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, uh, what the plans are for show moving forward. So uh, next up, Riske Deguchi, 10 points, 5 and 6. Night 10, he lost to Desperado. And then on night 11, like we mentioned, he defeated Taiji Ishimori. Um, Taguchi was 
better than maybe say the last year or two um i would say but uh maybe a little bit of a drop off from what we've come to expect from him in prior years tournaments you know um he can still turn on when he needs to but i you know we never saw really uh a performance from big match to gucci uh, the way we've become accustomed to yeah I thought he, he was fine. He was a good hand to have in the tournament, but, you know, nothing blow away. Then we have Bushi also with 10 points, 5 and 6. He lost to Master Wato on night 10, and then he defeated Kanamaru on night 11. Bushi did Bushi, you know? <laughs> what can you say? If, you, if you've seen a Bushi match, you know what Bushi is. You know what he does, you know? He's good at whatever it is that he does, but uh, I'm not like I'm not over the moon when it comes to Bushi. I never have been. Has has some great gear, some fire mask, and then has a good match, a, a good a little a good little match. But the thing with Bushi is he always has the ability to play spoiler in big spots, as well as like for instance Kanemaru, and both of those guys did that on certain nights. So that's kind of their role in these tournaments, and that's what they did. Yeah. Then with eight points, we have Master Wato, who is four and seven. He defeated Bushi on night 10, and then he lost to Doki on night 11. Uh, I feel I don't remember what his point total was last year, how many losses he had, but I feel like he was slotted a little bit lower here than he was last year. It probably, but that doesn't really matter. What does matter is that as far as a competent, secure, you know, um, a sure of himself performer he's light years beyond where he was just a year ago we've seen a lot of vast improvement when it comes to master wato especially in this year's uh best super juniors tournament you know it doesn't uh, just a little while ago he was having a singles match non-title against robbie eagles and we called that the best match he had had and recently during this tournament um you know, that match with Hiromu in particular stands out to me as like probably being the best Wato match. And we keep saying that time and time again because he's getting better and better as time goes on. Now, do I think that he's, um, you know, stand out of the division, the future, the next ace, the guy you need to strap up? No, not yet. But he is still young. And he is a guy that we saw a lot of promise in before he left for his excursion and expected big things from when he returned. And I don't think it's uh, – I think it's too soon to, like, write him off. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he continues to progress and, and you know, we see him being one of those upper guys as opposed to one of these bottom guys in the future. Yeah, and I feel like he's done a lot of tweaks to his kind of presentation and character and, and wrestling. I know at the beginning there was a lot of focus on, like, the martial arts kind of stuff and you know, like the videos where he was in the woods and all that stuff. And I feel like they've kind of gone away from that – uh, they've changed up his, his uh, Titan Tron video. They've changed up his gear, and they've kind of drifted away from that kind of like a martial arts monk master thing. And so, uh, making some shifts here, and he, you know, had a, a pretty good tournament for for him. And yeah, like you said, we got to keep our eyes on him. He's still he's still very young and could uh, continue to improve. I think we've gone from people writing him off to now like those who are in the know are like, well, we'll wait and see. Let's see how it plays out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru also of eight points. He's four and seven. Night ten, he lost to Robbie Eagles, and night eleven, he lost to Bushi. 
this is somebody who also kind of started out hot in the beginning of the tournament. He was kind of getting some upset wins. He was doing the, the jump zone on pretty much a majority of his opponents here to try and get the advantage and steal some wins. But eventually he, he ate a cold streak here and it's a, ate a bunch of losses and ends up here at the bottom of the close to the bottom of the block. Yeah, I mean, um, Kenamura's that crafty heel hand, you know, the guy with a lot of experience who kind of, uh, you know, brings his uh, craftiness and his skill to all these matches. I've found him to be one of the more entertaining aspects of the tournament, believe it or not, at least on the lower end. But, um, you know, like I mentioned, he's one of those guys like Bushi who can go in there and upset people, play spoiler. He did that on several nights. You need guys like that who are kind of key and pivotal, but ultimately we know where he's at. He's at the bottom of the card, bottom of the the uh, block, and uh, that's probably where he should be at this point, you know? Yeah. Then at the very bottom of the block, our man Doki coming with six points. He was three and eight. Night 10, he lost to Hiromu. In night 11, he picked up a win over Master Wato. Yeah, um, Doki, he's at the bottom of the block, but he's higher than he's ever been when it came to this tournament because he's got three wins. So <laughs> right, that's a huge win. Plus, he just every year he's like a fine wine. He gets better with age. This man is just, you know, mwah. Yeah, did really good in this tournament. Uh, we had a question here from Red Easer, the Dark Soldier. The speaking of legendary wrestlers, after the ass whooping he gave to Master Watto to reach those six points, does the B and Best of Super Juniors stand for Doki? It might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Doki. Um, it's weird. You know, I've never been one of those guys that's like, I'm going to pick a guy and that's going to be my guy sort of person. Mm -hmm. Especially when it's like not a top guy. Like, I don't, I don't like backing losers. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I just fucking love Doki. <laughs> dude, Doki is a man. Dude, the, the inflatable pipes are available on the Token Shop Global now. So everybody worldwide can support this man. Uh, I'm, I'm loving Doki, man. But that is, that's it. That's uh, all of our competitors. We've ran through everything for Best of Super Juniors. Um, you know, we're going to do a quick preview for next week's, uh, for this upcoming finals here shortly. But um, let's talk about World Tag League standings. Um, I'd like to take a lot less time, but we can kind of go through everything. Do you want to go through the same format we had here? Or do you want me to run through the results for those two nights? Uh, if you want, you can, we can run through the results of those two nights. Okay, let's take a look here. So on December the 9th, we had um, House of Torture. They defeated the Suzuki-Goon team. Um, they picked up two points. That put them at 14 points. Uh, Los Ingrenables, they defeated Tiger Mask and Yuji Nagata. Put them at 16 points. Dangerous Techers beat Great Bash Heel. Uh, that put them at 16 points. Gorillas of Destiny, they defeated the Bull Club team of Fale and Chase Owens. Put them at 12 points. Roshi Tanahashi and Toriyanu, they defeated Tenkoji, put them at 12 points. And then the main event, uh, the cast team of Goto and Yoshihashi, they defeated the United Empire team of Aaron Hanari and Great Okan, put them at 16 points, left them at 14. So um, interesting thing with this night, it wasn't really a blowaway night. The, the main event there, the cast team against United Empire, I would say was definitely a match worth checking out. It's yeah. very good. One of the better matches of the tournament. And, um, 
as we talked about last week, was one of the make-or-break matches of that evening. It was probably the only match on paper that had real stakes involved because both teams had potential of being in play for the finals, and a loss would have been very detrimental. Um, the main thing there, though, is United Empire with 14 points still had – they were still alive going into the final night, but it was like they needed to win, and then they needed – a lot of luck to be on their side to be able to make it to the finals. So right, if they had beaten Goto and Yoshihashi, it had been almost like a security blanket, and would have, it would have pretty much helped them get an easier route to the finals. Right, but the rest of the matches for that evening, I mean, House of Torture beating Suzuki Goon, Lij beating you know Blue Tiger, Techers beating Great Bash Hill. Most of those were wins that on paper were like a foregone conclusion. So, uh, very interesting scenario going into the final night. You had House Torture, Lij, Dangerous Techers, Chaos, and United Empire. All five teams kind of alive, but the two top leading teams were Lij and Chaos, both as well as Techers, sitting at sixteen points. And then um, that takes us to the finals on twelve twelve, and we had Tenkoji. They defeated the Suzuki Goon team of Minoru Suzuki and Takamichinoku. Uh, the interesting thing there, uh, Suzuki Goon team goes goose egg for the entire tournament. They go zero wins, you know, completely at a dud zero. Um, so, yeah, fuck you, Taka. <laughs> uh, Great Bash Heel, they defeated Tiger Mask and Yuji Nagata. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Toriano, they defeated Bullet Club team of Folly and Chase Owens with 14 points. So, uh, very good tournament for both teams, but just shy of being alive. So, the final three matches, those are the ones that really had anything to do with who was going to be able to win the tournament. We had uh, the team of G.O.D. taking on the United Empire. Now, G.O.D. was already at this point eliminated from contention which was very shocking to say the least considering that they're the defending champions. And right. I mean, the opening video package was built all around them and they're doing their interviews. Right. And like, you would think at least that they would be a team that would still be alive on the last time. Right. And that was not so. And one, one has to wonder after this year's G1 and even them having slightly different um, gear, if they're not maybe going more towards a singles uh, trajectory after this tournament's over, um, or if it could be even something more akin to like how dangerous techers are a tag team, but they also have their singles careers and maybe they'll focus more as singles in the future, you know? Yeah. That's one, that's one feeling I got, but regardless, uh, United empire needed to win here to stay alive and against God on a final night of super juniors, a team that has done stupendous in this tournament year after year. And they're pretty much, you know, the, the, uh, the faces of the division for so long, they were unable to pick up that win. They lost to God 13 minutes, 31 seconds, kind of unique to see God playing the, uh, the spoiler here. So United empire pretty much knocked out there. And then it came down to the last two matches. So you had house torture, taking on LIJ. And again, we've talked about the history between evil and, you know, his defection from LIJ plus the many times that he's faced off at the, on the finals of G ones against Sonata and, you know, how that has all kind of played out. So we're sort of seeing that, uh, emulate here. Plus 
you know, you can't forget Evil and Sonata's run as tag team, how many times they, they won this very tournament or went to the finals of this exact same tournament. Right. And, uh, yeah, even though LIJ tried their damnedest, they were unable to overcome the shenanigans of the House of Torture. And, yeah, Evil, you know, after many numerous, you know, ref bumps and run-ins and cane shots and yada, 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 Evil hits the uh, everything is evil on Sonata, pins him for the one, two, three, dashing the long-running streak of me being able to not only accurately predict the finals, but also predict the winner of mm. the World Tag League. I did pick LIJ to be the winners and to go to the finals, and they were knocked out, which this has never happened to me in the history of the <laughs> strong style. Well, I mean, it seemed like LIJ were the team that's made the most dense. They were the, the biggest stars uh, in the division. And, you know, we, we had a question here. I guess we can talk about it now. Let me see if I can find out who asked it. Uh came from uh, Razor JP11990. He says, what the hell is Naito going to be doing at Wrestle Kingdom? Um, so we, we figured, you know, well, he's not really involved in the double goal, triple goal dash gimmick. Um, so... He's not really doing anything else, so why not have him in a tag feud or a tag title shot? And so it seemed like it would make a lot of sense. I mean, obviously, they could still get a tag title match based off of their record and based on some of the teams they beat and what they're being two nights. They could somehow find a way to get them into a tag title match, but it's very weird to me that they went with House of Torture over LIJ. Well, it just tells me that they most likely have something else planned or in mind for Naito and possibly Sonata when it comes to Wrestle Kingdom. What that is, we don't know. Um, again, two nights Wrestle Kingdom, so are they completely knocked out of the uh, tag title picture? That remains to be seen. But uh, part of me is kind of feeling like maybe they're getting ready to ramp up Naito and put him back in the title picture or... Uh, maybe during this next tour, they'll, uh, you know, like during the road to Tokyo Domes, they'll heat him up in some way and, you know, get some sort of feud going. There's also the Noah element that's right around the corner and Noah has several big shows. Who knows if maybe Naito and LIJ uh, become involved in some way. Uh, I think they said, didn't they, uh, didn't Kano say the Congo unit has sworn that LIJ is going to be their rivals over New Japan? Yeah. So maybe that is what, you know, what the future holds. I don't know. But, um, you know, this is a good part to kind of talk about. We had some questions about the house torture. So Evil and Ujiro, they pick up the win, 16 points. That puts them at parity with LIJ. But because they beat them, they, they win the tiebreaker and pretty much secures their spot in the finals. Um, we had some questions here. Rambo Slime Pig said, should we uh, – perversely root for evil Ujiro to win world tag league in a hope of preventing an evil singles match at wrestle kingdom yeah it's a it's a tough place to be in but yeah that that actually that could probably be the best case scenario but then again he's also never six-man champ so even if he doesn't win he probably won't be in a singles match maybe (laughs) (laughs) uh hawaiian punch BV said, why do I have a bad feeling that Evil's going to be a double champ again? Do you feel the same? Well, like we've been seeing all year, we've seen the, the tag titles and the never six-man linked together. We've seen the junior and the junior tag titles linked. So with him being their six-man champ, 
that could somehow get played into this feud. So let's say Evil and Yujiro win. Then one night Wrestle Kingdom, you could do Techers and Suzuki versus House of Torture. The next night you do the, the tag title match. Or yeah. Even, or somehow they could still end up a never six man match depending on who these guys beat because they made it to the finals. Maybe they still somehow get a towel shot. And yeah, somehow I think, yeah, it's going to be, we're going to see the never titles, never six mans and the tag titles linked somehow. I would like for him to not be the tag champions, but, uh, or I don't really need to see house of torture against dangerous techers necessarily, but, uh, do I really care if he holds both tag belts? Not really. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, a lot of guys have done it. You know, G.O.D. did it. Uh, the the Young Bucks did it. I mean, it's something they've done periodically, so it's fine. Um, Everhart 2011 said, "What? what's your favorite match that Evil has had since he turned on L.I.J.? Uh, for me, it would be the Hiromu match that he had at Sengoku Lord last year. That that's a candidate. There's two other matches that stand out. Uh, the match was Zack Saber Jr. from that year's um, G1, and the match with Yoshihashi from that year's G1, which I think he did. Mm. He lose both of the, both of those matches. Uh, I think he did. Yeah. So I think we might have picked three matches that he lost. <laughs> no, he he beat Hiromu. Oh, that's right. He beat Hiromu. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that seems crazy to me that he beat Hiromu, but uh. Those have got to be, I mean, since then, like, did he have any match that was, like, worth even considering in this year's G1? No. No. Did, like, was him and Sonata in the Dome worth considering? Like, no. no. Any of those Naito matches worth any kind of shit? No. no. The the Shingo title match this year? No. 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 Like, no, not at all. So, anything else from his title reign that was, no, bro. Evil sucks, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Ugh. And then finally, um, moving on. So the finals of that evening, the main event, Chaos Team of Goto and Yoshihashi. Uh, they took on the Dangerous Techers team, Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. And, you know, precarious situation. Both teams sitting at 16 points. Uh, it's a do-or-die situation, essentially. And uh, what... The one unique thing is that had they gone to a 30-minute draw, they would have both made it to the finals by just the fact that they're the only two teams with 17 points, and it would have been an automatic rematch. There was a part of me that wanted them to go that route. Mm. You know? Um, but at the same time, because Dangerous Techers are the champions, we saw this a couple years ago when G.O.D. were the champions, and they made it to the finals, and they lost, and it was a single block, so they'd already fought that team once before, and then they faced them again. You know, we got, like, three rematches back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. That was with uh, Finjuice? I think it was with Finjuice, yeah. So it's like, that's the one risk you kind of run in that situation, but then again, it's Techers, and everyone loves them, so, you know, it's give and take. But ultimately, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi were able to pull the big win out here in one of the better matches of the tournament, maybe the match of world tag league. I don't know. Um, 24 minutes, 44 seconds. They defeated the reigning IWGP junior heavyweight champion or (laughs) the reigning uh, IWGP heavyweight tag team champions to secure their spot in the finals of world tag league against house torture. 
yeah, that was a really good uh, matchup there for Goto and Yoshihashi against Techers and kind of reliving their rivalry that they had kind of earlier in the summer. And that puts them at top of the blocks overall. They have 18 points. They're 9-2. and two, And then they will meet the House of Torture team who ended with 16 points, 8-3. and three. And the thing here for Goto and Yoshihashi, they, they picked up the win over Techers. So even if they end up losing to House of Torture, we could see some kind of triple threat th- scenario where you do Chaos versus House of Torture versus Techers at Wrestle Kingdom, or because of the two-night nature, they could do Techers versus the winners on one night and then Techers versus the other team the other night just because uh, Chaos has that win over Techers. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're trying to do um, one way or the other, but I, I mean, I'm a little torn here because there there is a part of me that really does like the team of Goto and Yoshihashi. I think that they're one of the higher performing teams in this tournament. I think that they've been fantastic all year long. I mean, hell, I voted for them and Tomohiro Ishii as my tag team of the year. So, I mean, I think they're an awesome unit. That being said, I was just really surprised by this whole thing because I thought Dangerous Techers and LIJ and United Empire outperformed both of the two teams that are going into the finals, especially House of Torture specific. I, I, it's, I'm not so much so concerned about Chaos making it to the finals. Uh, I could have definitely seen seen them as being a great foil for like LIJ or Dangerous Techers, but more House of Torture bullshit. I'm just like, ugh. Yeah, you know? and like, like you mentioned, I think we were talking about this. You, you know, you're saying, you know, normally, you know, it's, it's World Tag League, you kind of it's, it is what it is, but normally, at least the World Tag League Finals, you, you get a, a really good matchup with two of the best teams. It's a, w- one match for people to kind of check out from the whole tournament. But now you're putting, you know, one of the really good teams, Goto and Yoshihashi, up against one of the worst in-ring performing teams in House of Torture. Um, and it's the semi-main event of the evening, and it's, I think it's just going to really kind of drag down the quality of the show. Yeah, man. I mean, I think Yujiro is a good wrestler, but when you compare him to the majority of the roster here, he's not on the same level, or even if he's not presented as such, doesn't matter. In kayfabe, in kayfabe, he's not as good as everybody else. And then even beyond kayfabe, just even if he's just doing the job that they ask him to do, he doesn't wrestle as good as the rest of the roster. <laughs> and then... um and then evil's evil, you know? And these are two guys who, when it comes to singles performances and tournaments, are abysmal. And then you couple them together. And I mean, I did think for sure that there was a good chance that they might be in play towards the end. But never in a million years did I think that New Japan was, like, stupid enough to put them in the finals. Granted, they've done things like this before when god wasn't so good like the first year uh and obviously they got a lot better but like i remember i do remember them having really bad tournament and then they put them in the finals against uh great bash hill so you know um and that match turned out really well so maybe they'll turn up like that's the only hope is like maybe maybe because it's the world tag league finals and maybe because Evil and Ujiro have sucked so bad for two <laughs> years straight during this pandemic. They might feel obligated to 
abandon their need to get heat at all costs and actually have a compelling match. But my better instincts are telling me, no, that's not what's going to happen. This is going to be shit. Yeah. And I, think, I don't want to watch it. I think we're going to see a lot of shenanigans. Those guys are also going to get revenge on Goto and Yoshihashi for coming out uh, during the show and yo match and stopping them, you know, has a torture from getting show into the finals. So, yeah, it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a hot mess. And here's my other thought about what you mentioned about what we discussed. Um, yes, usually at the end of the tournament, because most people don't turn you know tune into the whole tournament like we do. Usually, the match at the end is like the hot, really good match that's kind of memorable that everyone cares about. But even beyond that, I often feel like the final match is sort of a reward. For all the hard work we did during World Tag League. <laughs> like, okay, you went through all this. It was kind of mid. It wasn't the best. But now you're going to get this hot match that's actually good. That you want to see, you know? And, you know, I was thinking it was going to be like maybe Dangerous Techers and LIJ or something like that. Yeah. United Empire and, and LIJ or Chaos and United Empire. I don't know. But anything involving House Torture... Especially these two members. I'm just like, the fuck, bro? Like, why? Why? Yeah. We did We did the fucking work. We watched all these shows. We were, we reviewed it. And now and now we got to tune in and watch this right before the Tokyo Dome. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. This sucks. This is, not, this is not Scream Dome season. Let's get hype for Wrestle Kingdom. It's just, it's just more garbage, man. And it, it's going to be, it's going to be a bad match. And there's going to be a ton of shenanigans. There's going to be Dick Togo. There's going to be wrenches and garrote wires and low blows and ref bumps and pimp cane chops the nuts. And it, it's going to be a hot mess. Hey, man, I'm, I'm as much a proponent of old school heat and, you know, comeuppances as the next guy. Maybe more so. Honestly, I love that shit. You know, I'm not someone who thinks that you can't draw with hated heels. And I'm not someone who thinks that uh, that isn't an important element of storytelling or of wrestling or of drawing. I, I absolutely am. But it can't be this shitty. Like, this is something where it insults the intelligence of the people that are viewing it. And you can't keep doing that to your audience. Because when you do that to your audience time and time again, they will go watch other wrestling. Right. They will stop watching your fucking product. And this really sucks. I mean, it's very insulting yeah. to have to keep watching House Torture matches because they're so shitty. And I get, you know, since the World Tag League Tour, who cares, but... It just because it's World Tag League in December, it's not a big New Japan month. Like you should still treat the tournament with some respect and um, give the fans something a, a final worth uh, something. And to go out here, out of all the teams they have in there, there's so many other teams that you could have thrown in this finals who outperformed House of Torture in the ring. And I get it, you know, House of Torture is getting the push. They're the narrow six man champs and. Dick Togo is making a you know a big push in, in the room to get those guys uh, more TV time and more over, uh, but I feel like they could have done better here. Well, the other thing too is like, um, like you mentioned, okay, it's just World Tag League, right? But it was just the G One, and it was just the double titles, and it was just the Dome, and it was just, and it was just, and it was just, and it was just, 
and I'm feeling like it's the straw that's going to break the camel's back. How much more of this do I have to endure? You know, me. <laughs> How much more? Okay. Like, I know it's just World Tag League and I know it's just the, you know, one of the more minor tournaments of the year. But like, bro, I'm fucking sick of it. And like, when I say people are going to tune out, I'm talking about me. I I am going to stop watching Bro, you. there's nothing worse than a House of Torture VOD match with no commentary <laughs> in a oh, freaking half um, capacity gymnasium. Also, why was there so many VOD shows this year? Bro, it was like when we first started doing this show, there was all those, uh, this December would always have those VOD shows during World Tag League and... Also, they were doing more live English commentary in the last couple of years. But, yeah, they went back to kind of that old thing of, like, all these VOD shows. We had, we had some towards the beginning and now towards the end. I was like, bro, it is so rough watching VOD clap crowd shows. That's the part. Of, that's the hard part. It's that it's VOD and clap crowd. I used to like the, some of those VOD shows every once in a while. But, like, you kind of had a heads up way ahead of time. You knew, like, what was coming. Now, now I get like thrown off guard. I turn on my shit. I'm like, all right, twelve ten, let's go. And then you're like, wait a second, <laughs> where's where's Oiwa? I want to watch Oiwa. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> so we do have the World Tag League Best Super Junior Finals coming up Wednesday, this Wednesday, December fifteenth. That's why we are recording a little bit early. So let's give the people um, our preview for this year's tournament. And uh, I think we should start by talking about the big announcement that Katsuri Shibata is going to come out. We already talked about it somewhat last week, but it's making some sort of special big announcement. And we got we got a question regarding it. <laughs> yep. So uh, Pussy Destroyer 83619 says, if Shibata does return to wrestle full time, it might be the desperate injection of life. New Japan needs in this main event scene to really change things up in a fun way. How would you book Shibata if he did come back full time? Shibata comes back. He feuds with Kenta. He wrestles Kenta in the dome. He beats Kenta in the dome. He goes into the um, fucking New Japan Cup. And maybe he fights Kenta in the first round and beats him again. And he beats everybody. And he fucking wins the New Japan Cup. And then he goes to Sakura Genesis and he wrestles Kazushiko Kata for the oh, world oh, title. Bro, bro that, that's it. I, I, there's no better answer that I could say. That, that's, that's it. That's, that's the booking right there. And then you know what happens? He loses. Oh... He loses to Okada again, again. <laughs> but guess what? Someday he wrestles him again, and he beats this motherfucker. He doesn't crack a skull this time. And he does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what that's what I would do is I would heat him up. I would make the shit as hot as I possibly could, and that would justify Okada beating the brakes off of Shingo and Will Osprey and Goshi or. Kato Kiyomiya and then you know he goes to Sakura Genesis and he beats Shibata maybe Shibata beats him in the New Japan Cup beats who? Okada? 
Maybe you have Shibata beat Okada in the in the cup. Oh wait, the champion doesn't right. fight. Right. right. Okay. You know, scrap it, that. It, sh- it should be Shibata Osprey. Okay. Culminate yeah. that LA Dojo feud. Yeah. And then ultimately he loses to Okada in a classic. And then down the road, wherever it needs to be, I don't know. You, uh, I'm not going to book beyond the three or four month mark, but some point, it's all right there. You got another ready made, maybe Tokyo Dome match. I don't know. I think and, so. And Shibata finally fucking does it. Bro, if Shibata, Shibata came back and beat Okada in the Tokyo Dome for the world title, I would cry. <laughs> Dude, that, that's a classic wrestling moment written all over it. And then can you imagine, like, Tanahashi, like, putting him on his shoulders, mm. walking him around in the fucking confetti, and the whole roster comes out, the LA Dojo boys. Bro, I'm, I would lose my fucking Bro, mind. That would easily be a fighting they spirit. They would sell out. Yeah. They would sell out the dome. So that's what you do. Well, let's hope this announcement is a return to action. (sighs) Anyways, um, so the next most important thing: Rizuki Taguchi, Yuto Nakashima, (laughs) and Kose Fujita. (laughs) They're going to be facing off against uh, Minoru Suzuki, Doki, and Taka Michinoku. Any predictions on this one, Jeremy? (laughs) I'm going to go with the Sugiun team. I'm not. Takamichinoku is lower than Yuto Nakashima and Kosei Fujita. Fuck him. He's eating a dodon. One, two, three. You know. Dude, I will laugh if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn, I couldn't let this man win a, a six man. <laughs> Two young lot on the other side. <laughs> yeah, uh, Suzuki Gun's going to win this one. Uh, next match of the night, Tiger Mask will be teaming with. Uh, Ryohei Oiwa, they'll be taking on the team of Taichi Shimori and El Phantasmo. Gonna go with uh, Bullet Club's cutest tag team here, and I think this is gonna set up a junior tag team title match, either Road Tokyo Dome or Wrestle Kingdom. I agree. Next match, we have Toriano, Togi Makabe, Tomoaki Hanma, Master Wato. They'll be taking on the team of Taichi, Zack Sabre Jr., El Desperado, Yoshinabu Kenemaru, um, Suzuki Gun. Yeah, we're going to go with uh, Techers and Despi and Kanemaru. Yeah, uh, yeah, they'll probably win. Um, after that, we got Tanahashi, Tenzan, and Kojima taking on, oh, along with Yuji Nagata, they'll be taking on the Bull Club team of G.O.D., Fale, and Owens. First, I got to say, it, it, it's almost a little sad seeing Tanahashi team with Tenzan, Kojima, and Nagata, because he's kind of being, like, thrown that New Japan dad status here. Um, no, 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 he's like their... Like younger brother mascot, like mm. you know, this is Abushi could have easily been in this spot. I'm not <laughs> dismayed by that at all. Uh, but I'm gonna. I think the Bullet Club team is probably gonna win. I agree. Anytime you got Hama on the other side, you, or actually no, but Tenzan. You got Tenzan and Kojima, so you never know. Um, after that, we got tag team action as the team of Lij Naito and Sonata. They'll be taking on the. Uh, United Empire team of Great O'Conn and Jeff Cobb. Maybe this is some sort of indication as to what the future holds come Wrestle Kingdom for Tetsuya Naito. Jeff Cobb, perhaps? Great O'Conn? I don't know. Yeah, so Jeff Cobb back in the country uh, for the upcoming Wrestle Kingdom tour. And so, yeah, they're definitely heating something up here. 
I definitely think you, you need singles matches for Naito and Sonata uh, at Wrestle Kingdom. So we know that Naito and Great Okan have had a feud earlier on this year. They had the New Japan Cup stuff that they did, um, and also they faced off in the World Tag League as well. So you could do another Naito Okan, maybe you do Sonata Cobb, or you, you could do Naito and Cobb and Sonata and Great Okan. Just a, lot, a couple different options here. Yeah, these first four matches prior to this, I would say are, you know, just your standard New Japan preview match, you know, just uh, undercard tags. But the Naito Sonata versus United Empire match might have some special significance, especially if I'm calling angle alert. Yeah, I would pay attention to this for an angle. Um, Maybe LIJ versus United Empire. Maybe Naito versus Cobb. Who knows? We'll see what happens. And then, you know, all four guys probably need some sort of singles match going into the dome. I don't know necessarily if it'll be with each other, but you know, something's got to give here. So this is one to pay attention to um, the next match of the night. Oh, do we have a prediction here? I'm going with United empire. Yeah. I'm going to go with United empire. Also um, the next match, we have our first big preview match for the main event of night. One of the dome. We have a tag match as Shingo Takagi teams up with Bushi to take on the team of Kazushiko Okada and Robbie Eagles. And this one actually sounds fire. Yeah, and that answers the question on whether or not Okada is back in Japan. So he is uh, in Japan. He'll be on these uh, World Tag League Super Junior Finals show. And yeah, first kind of big interaction um, since the, the challenge was kind of thrown down for Wrestle Kingdom. Um, yeah, this should be a very good uh, preview here. I, I think Okada and Eagles will probably get the win here. Wait, so you did the lineup for tonight's show? What the for this rundown? Yeah. So you knew that Okada was back in Japan, but you let me talk about how he's going to be on AEW running roughshod and calling Dude, out. Dude, I I, me... I I didn't fully look at it that that, that Okada was on there. I just kind of grabbed the. You the swerved run. me, bro. <laughs> you know, why you why you gotta fucking rib me in front of everybody? <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to a, a podcast today. They're talking about. Um, <laughs> Bobby Eaton was uh, at some like truck stop with uh, Chris Jericho and Chris Jericho like they're in Japan Jericho told him to get a coffee out of a can from a vending machine and um, Bobby Eaton was like a big germaphobe and he was like really hesitant to like drink coffee out of a, out of a can you know like southern boy he's used to like getting getting at a gas station so he's like no just trust me this is what they do here in Japan and apparently some sort of bug had actually gotten into the can when they were packaging it and he like opened it up and there's like a fucking larva in there. Uh. He's like, yeah. And he's like sick and he didn't talk to Jericho for like four days. Cause he was convinced that Jericho <laughs> set this elaborate rib up to get him in front of the boys. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, Bobby, how could I, he's like, we literally stopped randomly at this, at this Stop. Like, how would I know <laughs> ahead of time to set up a can of coffee with a larva in it out of a vending machine that you had to put money to? How could I possibly have done? <laughs> but that's how I feel right now. You set me up in front of, the, you know, millions of people that listen to the show. I mean, I set myself up, too, because I, I put the rundown together and I, I didn't even realize that Okada was on the card. Have you ever seen that TikTok where uh, it's the lady and she's like, you will never... Treat me like a piece of shit again. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, um, 
I'm guessing for that match, Bushi will probably take the pinfall. Yep, Rainmaker. Uh, and then that leads us to our semi-main events, the World Tag League Finals. We have the team of Chaos, Goto and Yoshihashi. They're taking on the team of Evil and Ijiro Takahashi. The Bullet Club. <laughs> Bullet Club. 444 Life. Uh, uh, I'm predicting House of Torture. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm going Chaos because I just can't imagine. But, dude... <laughs> Think about it. The never six-man titles and the tag titles have been linked up. Fuck all that. Fuck all that noise. <laughs> Evil and Ujiro, they got they're gonna be busy at the dome defending their six-man tag titles in some fucking funky gauntlet while my dogs Goto and Yoshihashi are second from the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Facing off with the dangerous techers in front of ten thousand people in the dome. It's gonna be great. We'll see. <laughs> Bro, I'll be pissed if Evil New Jersey win because I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch it either, but I feel like they're going to do six man. They're going to do like Techers and Suzuki against House of Torture, and then they'll do. Here's, here's the only way that it'll be right to me if House of Torture wins, then the Chaos Six Man Trio needs to win their title back at the Tokyo Dome on one of those two nights. Hmm. Then I'll kind of be okay with it, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. Main event time: Best Super Juniors Twenty Eight Finals. Hiromu Takahashi versus Yo. <laughs> Just Yo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Yohei Komatsu. I- I'm going with Hiromu, man. I- I I'm going with fucking Hiromu. <laughs> Fuck Yo. I, I don't see like how how you could book Yo to beat Hiromu. Like I'm sorry, like this it's just we're going into Wrestle Kingdom. We're not going into destruction. We're not going into road. Uh, we're it's not, not Kazuna Road, dog. Okay. Yeah, we're not going into Summer Struggle Night 205. Like no, like this is Wrestle Kingdom. This is a Tokyo Dome. I don't care if there's going to be a limited capacity. I don't care if the people can't cheer. It's still the freaking Wrestle Kingdom. It's still a Tokyo Dome. It's a junior title match. You're not going to freaking put Yo in there with Desperado. No, like I'm sorry. They have, they have here's, this- here's the thing. It's like okay, Yo has a fan following. Yo has good looks. Yo is an accomplished wrestler. Yo could be a major star it's time for them to take a, a chance and give a new guy a push new start yada yada call me when this dude has a four and a quarter match damn just one <laughs> fucking four and a quarter match when he has one four and a quarter match then we can talk then then maybe he has business headlining a junior title match in the dome until that time comes Hiromu dog I if Hiromu's not in the junior title match at, at Wrestle Kingdom, I don't know if I want to watch this show because then what's then what does he do? Like you you can't yeah. you, you can't leave Hiromu out of the junior title match, and like I don't think there's any other feud that's set up for him at the dome. They, they did the draw in the tournament with him in, De- in Desperado, so that's still kind of up in the air for them. Like Hiromu has to win. You do the rematch, Hiromu Desperado, big stage, big moment. That, that's that's what it has to be. Listen. I understand the counter argument. Oh, Hiromu's always in the junior title match. Oh, you know, that's so boring. They've done the same thing every year. Hey, I hear you. If he was fighting ELP, 
then maybe I'd give some credence to that argument. If he was fighting Taiji Ishimori or even Sho, then maybe. But he's wrestling Yo. Yo. <laughs> yeah. Yo. Bro. Hell no. Fuck all that. Hiromu Takahashi. Time bomb two. I hope he hits this man with the fucking D and I hope he taps out. Bitch. I hope it's that uh, three minute Kushida match. <laughs> Sunset bomb. Knocks this man out. <laughs> Continue. I hope he cuts a promo on him and he tells him to hit the weights. <laughs> Hit the showers. Get a get, get a clue. <laughs> get a get a four plus star match. <laughs> yeah, bro. Oh, guys, man. best guys, best two matches in his entire career are both with Will Osprey. <laughs> both of them, and and Will Osprey is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. That's like basically the equivalent of being like Terry Taylor, being like the greatest match of my life was with Ric Flair. Well, yeah, because it's Ric Flair. And it's not even like one of the top 100 matches Ric Flair's career, you know. Have you ever seen um, that meme with Don Draper where he's like in the in the el- like elevator and he's like, "I think you're despicable." And he's like, "I don't even think about you." No, I haven't seen that. That's that's Will Ospreay. That like Yo's like, "I think you're the worst." Will Ospreay looks at me. He's like, "I don't even think about you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. I mean, could could Yo be a star? Yes, but is he? No, he ain't ready. No, he's not ready. He's not ready. Now, is this me saying always and forever, Yo will never, ever, ever be a star? He'll never, ever, ever be a champion? He'll never be a top guy? I'm not saying that. But is he right now? No. And he shouldn't beat Hiromu. And he definitely shouldn't beat Desperado. And something weird is going on in this company if that happens. Yeah, like, I, I'll, I'll let House of Torture slide if we have to. But, nah, Yo, Yo cannot win this. <laughs> but, you know, um, Shibata's making a huge announcement. We got two tournament finals this night. We got two big preview tag matches for Wrestle Kingdom. So all in all, not a bad little card. Something to look forward to this week. And uh, we will be coming back to you next week with the recap on that. Yep. And I'm sure there'll be some kind of angles or signs for uh, Wrestle Kingdom uh, 16. So it should be kind of. I kind of want to see if like Karen will come on and do the awards with us, but then I kind of don't want to because I feel like she's going to hear this and know about what I said about yo. Yeah, she she's probably already <laughs> cut, cut the show off by now and it's <laughs> probably unfollowing us as we speak right now. Oh man, so we got some news. Yeah, so first thing here, NJPW President Takami Obari spoke with Tokyo Sports, and he said that he'd like to see 10 matches on each of the two Tokyo Dome cards on January 4th and January 5th. I don't know, man. It's kind of in a way exciting, but in a way it's like, I guess everyone will get to wrestle, and that's cool, but I don't know, man. There's part of me, it's like the 4th, the 5th, the 8th, plus 10 matches each night and we got to cover it plus work. It's in the middle of the week. I don't know about all that. Yeah. I, I just don't know what you could actually build to get to 10 matches. I know that there's probably going to be a lot of double title match scenarios for each night, but even that we, ha- I don't think we've seen a lot of like personal feuds really been heated up. Obviously there's still the road to Tokyo to come and I'm sure that will help build some stuff up, but 
I'm not quite sure, especially with guys like you can't bring in like the LA Dojo guys, I don't think, or any guys from Strong. Like, what can you do to really make that a uh, ten match card? Yeah, I don't know about that one, Chief. Yeah. Uh, also, New Japan announced that Stardom talent will take part in the night two of Wrestle Kingdom 16 in Tokyo Dome on Wednesday, January 5th. After drawing straws, it was announced that Mayu Iwatani and Starlight Kid will team against Tam Nakano and Saya Kamatani on January 5th. This will be the third consecutive Wrestle Kingdom appearance for Mayu Iwatani and the second for Saya Kamatani. Was that Tall Saya? Uh, I'm not sure which side that is. Uh, that'll, that'll be a question for Doctor Doctor Joshi. I don't Joshi. know if there's another side. I just I listen to one in Shinrio, They'd be like tall side or big sides or little side. I don't know. Yeah, there's a couple different sides. I'm not I'm not sure which one this one, but she she'll be in there in this tag match. Well, I can't wait for my favorite women's wrestling promotion Stardom to be, you know, featured in the dome. Can't wait. <laughs> Mayumi Watani and uh, her senior Starlight Kid. Starlight Kid is the leader of stars. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Tam Nakano. Um, she these, these are actually all four people from different different uh factions. No, Mayu Yuatani and Starlight Kid are in stars. Starlight Kid is the leader. The faction's named after her stars. She's the leader. <laughs> <laughs> need, need to tune in more to uh the hit the music segment on uh one nation. Tam Radio. Nakano is this year's lead winner of the Cinderella Grand Prix. And <laughs> she is probably going to win the white belt very soon, from what I understand, which is the top belt in stardom. And Saya Kamatani, she is a legend in this sport. She's had numerous five-star matches, so it's going to be very good. James is throwing his phone out the window in frustration <laughs> right now. <laughs> you don't listen to this show. <laughs> he doesn't, but... I'm imagining if he actually did, he he would be throwing his phone out the window right now. Uh, so moving on, starting on January 29th, pending on COVID changes, they will start opening up Corkin Hall to full capacity. The mass restrictions and no cheering and booing at the shows will remain in effect as of now. Why do I care then? <laughs> then we'll, we'll have a full building of clapping people. I don't care. Half of the building full of clapping people. Okay. <laughs> um, and other uh, COVID-related news, um, Clark Connors, who was pulled from the L.A. Comic-Con event, uh, was not cleared to return to competition at the Nemesis tapings last Thursday in Hollywood. So he was replaced by Keita Murray, uh, who's making his debut. And the match changed to Jordan Clearwater and Keita Murray versus Hikaleo and Chris Bay. Sounds lit. <laughs> Then we had Bullet Club invading uh, L.A. Staples Center on Wednesday night as Jay White and Hikaleo were guests of the L.A. Clippers team during halftime in the Clippers game against the Boston Celtics, the Switchblade, and the Young Gun surprised the crowd and took part in the customary T-shirt toss. Nice. And then last piece of news here, uh, Ian Riccoboni, he appeared on the Leave Valley with Love podcast and announced that he'll be calling NJPW Strong's New Beginning USA event on January 15th. Uh, what he says is a tryout basis. He says, I'll be starting with New Japan Pro Wrestling on January 15th. I'll be headed to Seattle, Washington, and I've interpreted this as a tryout. He said, I'm calling the main card. I'm calling what will air on New Japan Strong. I've watched 41 out of the 69 currently existing 
New Japan Strong episodes. I've rewatched them so far. Once I found out, I intend to get to 69 through January 14th before I get to the plane on Seattle. Yeah, man. Um, if I was Matt Morris or uh, your boy uh, <laughs> Kozlov, Alex Kozlov, I'd, uh, I'd be nervous right now. You know? Bro, this shouldn't even have to be a tryout. It should it be Kevin Kelly, Ian Riccoboni all day. Kozlov and, and Ray Wall. I'm sorry. Y'all can call the extra match if you want. Well, well here's the thing, though. In all honesty, like, you know, he mentioned this earlier, but uh, like on the the English commentary for these past couple shows, but um, Kerry Kelly is going to be like pretty much living in Japan for the majority of next year, and is going to be in Japan up through, like I believe, new like the entire New Japan Cup, probably to like Sakura Genesis or Invasion Attack or whatever they end up calling that show. So he's not going to be available to call strong. So I think they're probably bringing Ian Riccoboni in to, to be the lead. So they still have, you know, a spot for color, which probably means Alex Koslov is fine. But, um, yeah, you're right. Why would this be a tryout? It's Ian fucking Riccoboni. Like, the only other way I can see it as a tryout is if, like, the other guy was, like, um, what's-his-face from NXT – uh, who's the guy? Who's the guy used to call New Japan when they first went to Access? Oh, uh, you talking about Matt Striker? No, <laughs> no, no. Um, I'm sorry. When New Japan oh, uh, first went, oh, uh, Mauro Ronaldo. Yeah, if like the other guy's Mauro Ronaldo and the other guy's Ian Riccoboni, then yeah, I could see that would make sense having a tryout. But it's Ian Riccoboni. You know that makes. I mean, he's probably gonna knock it out of the park anyway, so it doesn't matter. But uh. That's exciting for those of you who've never heard Ian Riccoboni. He's one of the absolute best um, play-by-play guys. I've always liked his work in uh, Ring of Honor quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, well, let's slide uh, Caprice Coleman in there, too. Someone needs to uh, kind of wise up Ian to uh, keep in a strong side. I don't think he knows about us. We'll see. Maybe we can uh, get him on for an interview in the lead-up to his uh, strong debut. That's fine. I want to talk to Coglin though. <laughs> you love Coglin now. <laughs> I love him, bro. Oh, <laughs> uh, see, we have a few uh, last-minute or off-topic questions here that we're going to run through before we get to recommended match of the week. Uh, this first question that was one that I missed that I got via email a couple weeks ago, so apologize, uh, Barry Walsh. But he says, "Hope you and Josh had a good Thanksgiving and are now looking forward to cutting cutting after that turkey bulk." This is an odd question, I know, but how would you feel about a new belt for old-timers? I know not another belt, you say, but only for wrestlers with 20-plus years of experience. It might take the dad's matches a little bit more interesting, and with a lot starts in Japan wrestling well into their 50s, might be nice to see matches with something at stake. Would be cool to see Kojima holding the belt and tearing through a lot of the older guys, stopping only for a croissant before decapitating maybe Makabe or Tenzan. Says, oops, forgot to say, maybe calling it the Lionheart title or something might be kind of cool, too. Uh, I guess. I'm not a big fan of it. I think it's the same reason I'm not a big fan of, like, having a Young Lions title. I think it's just maybe too niche. Not to say it couldn't work or that's the worst idea in the world. I, I won't bury it that far, but I just... 
for a marketing standpoint, I don't know. They they got a lot of titles in this company. I just think it would be somewhat unnecessary at this point. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where you mentioned that the niche. It's like, yeah, now that right now they probably have a lot of guys that kind of fit that. What happens when eventually those guys retire and there's like nobody that aged for that title? Then you, you, then they got to start signing dudes olds. that are that age. <laughs> where the olds at? Where the olds at? Uh, the OTT title. <laughs> uh, next question here from uh, Ready to Dark Soldier says, "Did you guys watch AEW Rampage last Friday? Particularly the grand motion picture five star epic debut of Hook. Should Hook show up on NJPW and win all the titles?" I wouldn't go that far, but I I really enjoyed Hook's debut. I thought he was pretty awesome. Um, there's still some greenness there, some of the uh, transitions and setups, but man, he's slick. He's very skilled, very talented, very dynamic, very exciting. I, I'm all in on Hook, man. And you know what's funny? Like our friend group, we've been in on Hook since day one when he like since he first like showed up in the hoodie. Like it's kind of <laughs> weird. Yeah, I mean the the whole internet is kind of beloved Hook from the from day one, and we've had this whole year build for his in ring debut. And yeah, it was a, a great debut. It debuted in his uh, hometown and. A lot of great wrestling, a lot of great suplexes, the, the Tazplex towards the end there, and got him in the uh, the Katahaja May, the, the Taz mission. I think he's calling it the, the Red Hook or Red Drum or Red something, and uh, when it's our uh, first match. Uh, this next question says, speaking of legendary, oh, uh, it's a Doki question. Already got that one. So, uh, so this next question says, I was looking up past World Tag Leagues, and the 2016 one had two guys called Brian Breaker and Leland Race. Who the fuck are they? Why were they brought in for that World Tag League? Why were they never brought back? And who the fuck are they? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Brian Breaker and if I recall correctly, uh, him and Leland Race, I think they were both guys that were trained by Harley Race. And there was some sort of connection where they were like brought in in conjunction with like harley races camp or something like that but i mean dude it was in 2016 it was world tag league like i don't really remember <laughs> i remember the only reason i kind of remember this some other podcast might have been jcast this came up and they were like well, or maybe it was voice wrestling i remember and they're like who the fuck is this? Like, well, <laughs> I don't remember this at all, bro. I don't remember it at all either. So, yeah, the the mystery will be unsolved. That that's about it. Like I couldn't add more to it. Sorry. It looks like uh, this guy Brian Breaker. He was in WWE developmental for a year back in like 2012, 2013. So sounds like maybe they brought him through because of that. I don't know. I guess so. Yeah. Who knows, man? It, I don't know. See Leland Race. Actually, Leland Race pulled up too. Fucking, I don't know, man. Someone finally asked a question that, like, I just out and out, like, I barely know anything about it. Uh, so his last question here, he says, "Why did uh, Sakuraba leave NJPW years ago? He was around when I started watching it, and it, he had a pretty fun feud with Jibata." And was a member of Chaos, so why did he leave? Was it because of Okada's poor leadership? Why? <laughs> um, I don't know. He just he was there, and then he just wasn't. And then, 
and then he was on the indies and then he was in Noah. He was always a freelancer guy. I don't think he was ever assigned to a contract necessarily. Maybe he was, I don't know. Yeah, man. I, I have no idea why he left. <laughs> he, he was in the feud with Shibata. They did the payoff to the feud with Shibata and then he was just working multi-man matches with chaos. And then he just murked out. Like he was just gone one day, you know? So is he still a member of chaos? Probably. <laughs> is uh Trent's mom a member? Is Sue? Sue a member of yes, chaos? she is. Yes. So, you know, I think we, we are members of chaos now with our relationship with Rocky Romero. I'm not. You're not? You might. You absolutely. I'm not. If they if they try to induct me, I would refuse. Why? I'm Hauntai all day, baby. Uh, well, I'm joining Chaos. Um, it's official. Some somebody add me to the to the Wikipedia That's page. That's a mistake. That's a mistake. But whatever. <laughs> uh, next question here from Pussy Destroyer eight three six one nine says I like to believe that instead of having a filler title defense that the Booker and the fans know. Who will win from a mile away? Then a multi-man match would be a great alternative to make the predictable match more intriguing. How opposed would you be for a multi-man match for the world championship if it ever happens again? I'm so confused by that question. Am I reading it wrong? So I think he's saying like instead of, for example, like instead of doing like Kenny Omega versus Ishii after the at destruction, right. a filler title match. Would it make more sense to do Kenny Omega versus Ishii versus Naito versus Jay White in a four-way so it's more unpredictable than just doing a filler match of Ishii where you know Ishii's going to lose? Oh, my God. When he said multi-man, okay, here's the funny thing. Now it makes sense. I apologize, Pussy Destroyer. Um, when I see multi-man and I think New Japan, I'm thinking Tag. <laughs> The idea that someone would propose that they should be doing multi-man title defenses, like three ways and four ways, is like so out of like I can't even compete. With that. <laughs> I'm like, why would he be having? Why would he be in an eight-man tag for the main event of Destruction against who? This doesn't make why. I don't understand. I understand now. Uh, no, no, I don't want to see triple threats and four ways and five ways and anything like that. Uh, no. Give me, I don't, I don't care. Give me Ishii and Kenny if that's what you got to do. It's fine. Yeah, I'd rather a great, quote-unquote, filler tile match than a random, you know, thrown-together four-way, three-way tile match. One-on-ones are always better. Agreed. Then last couple or, questions. Or maybe just book better and build guys better and, you know, maybe do that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, build, build your own intrigue. Maybe bring in some some new, fresh, young talent. <laughs> Maybe end the pandemic so <laughs> things get hot again. I don't know. Uh, last couple questions here from Hawaiian Punch BV. Thoughts on the big upset by Juliana Pena? It's nice that Amanda Nunez rem- reminded everyone that she's a huge weakness in her game. Yeah, you know, that's the funny thing is I've never... Okay, so like, I don't want to bad talk... Um, Amanda Nunez because obviously the truth of the matter I mean the results speak for themselves she's the greatest woman's fighter in the history of MMA period you look at who she's defeated I mean it's a who's who I mean Holly Holm 
Chris Cyborg, <laughs> Shevchenko multiple times, Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate. You know, the list goes on and on and on. But, um, you know, she did have losses in the earlier days of her career. And, you know, I've kind of always known that eventually the other foot was going to drop, you know. And when they say, when he said that she has holes in her game, I think what he's referring to is that, like, accomplished strikers can hit her. And did you see this fight, by the way, Jeremy? I did not. watch. No. Okay. Because you usually watch the, the big UFC fights. Yeah, I wasn't able to watch this weekend. Okay, gotcha. So, I mean, truth be told, did she get gassed going into the second round? Yes. Could COVID have played a role into that? Possibly. Was she piecing up Juliana Pena in the first round? Yeah, she was. But um, we we saw in the Jermaine Rand- de Randame fight that an accomplished striker who could throw long-range strikes can hit this girl and can hurt her. And the problem, though, is to beat her, you kind of have to go through hell mm. because she's such a hellacious fighter. But if you can go through that and if you can hit her, she is susceptible. She always has been. We saw that in the Cat uh, Zingano fight, which was her last loss prior to this in like 2014. And um, yeah, I mean, hats off to Juliana Pena. I think she kind of got, a, I don't want to say lucky, but the circumstances were right, right place, right time. Mm-hmm. But uh, man, yeah. Um, I've kind of always thought that the right person who had a chin a perseverance and long range, you know, straight shots could, could take her out. I think, unfortunately, if Shevchenko had been the girl that fought her that night, Shevchenko would have ate her alive. Now, I don't know if, you know, the next time she fights that that will be the case, but on that night, I think that other people could have beaten her like Shevchenko. So hmm. another question. Did you also check out Lomachenko's big performance against Kome? Oh yeah, man. I was at the bar. And uh, while everyone else was like hanging out, drinking, partying, I was watching that fight live. Really enjoyed it. Lomachenko is a beast. Uh, you know, I had a talk with a friend of mine the other day, and we were talking about the light do- lightweight division. And you know, he was like asking me who I thought was the guy. Was it Ryan Davis or Garcia or you know Tiafimo or, or I'm sorry, Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis, Devin Haney, blah blah blah. You know, is it Cambosos? And I was like, dude, it's it's, it's Lomachenko. And it always has been. Lomachenko's my guy. I think I said that last week on the show. Um, I'm going to keep saying it. Like, I think he is one of the most special talents I've ever seen in boxing. And uh, great performance against Kami. And, uh, or Komi, I don't know how you pronounce it. Komi's a great fighter. Um, really, really, really good fight. But uh, great performance by Lomachenko. He dropped him in the seventh round. And, and uh I hope he gets another title fight. I'd like to see him in Cambosos, see what that looks like, you know? Nice. So last thing here, I recommended match of the week. So last week, you recommended for us to watch Go, Go Shiozaki versus Shibata from NOAA Great Voyage 2016 as a part of that NOAA-New Japan feud. And boy, was this a banger. Just like in the multi-man match that we watched from the G1, these guys were hitting each other so freaking hard with chops and kicks. 
Um, it's a very high pace, you know, quote unquote, never style matchup here between both of these guys. And uh, Shibata picked up the the big win here. Well, I believe well, was this for the never title? No, it was non title. Okay. I believe it was non-title. I could be wrong. Okay, that's why I was surprised that uh, Shibata ended up winning. Kind of again that the big upset win there in the, in the Noah show. I mean, it's New Japan against Noah. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like New Japan was, and at the time, New Japan was way, way, way be, like beyond Noah at the time. Like they were pretty much their parent company, so uh, to me that wasn't a surprising result at all. But uh, I can see why, without maybe a little bit of context, that might seem that you know to be the case. Yeah, but awesome uh, matchup there. So it looks like you are recommending to me the GHC heavyweight title match between Takashi Sagura and Hiroki Goto from Wrestle Kingdom Four. Yes, sir. That is my pick for the recommended match of the week. Yeah, that's a great match. That was actually the uh, match of the night for that year's Wrestle Kingdom. So uh, I've seen it before. Uh, it's been a while. Um, definitely, we'll check it out. It's like 20 minutes. Really, really good match. And uh, yeah, uh, every time Goto and Segura lock it up, especially back then, that's like, what, 2010? That one's really good. So I'll... I'll watch it give everybody a uh, quick review but if you haven't seen it i highly recommend it yeah i haven't seen it um looking forward to checking that out and just realizing like it's how many like cool like noah matches at first new japan matches there are on new japan world so looking forward to checking that out as we kind of get some build and hype for the january 8th show coming up awesome well um looking forward to that and um Next week, we'll be back to announce the winners of the 2021 Keeping It Strong Style Your End Awards. If you've enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation. Visit socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure to connect with us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. Uh, email Jeremy at Jeremy at socialsuplex.com. Check out all our other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network one Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Ladd and James Boyd. The Great Consequences Podcast with Caleb and Maserati. All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin. And the AEW Match Guide Podcast, hosted by Sir Sam. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and review. We'll catch you next time on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Ichiban. Ichauzo Bakayero. Yeah, and vote in our awards. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.